4: Good Wednesday morning to you. The two of you are sitting here commiserating... Yeah, we we were discussing. We've, we've been show sitting topics. here for thirty minutes. You were grabbing a headset. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I,
5: the more here. things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> I'm I can't hear here. anything.
4: I'm sitting here and I'm. <laughs> what, what do you mean you can't hear anything? Headset's not working. <laughs> what, that's impossible. Well, gee, which of the three of us typically says my headset doesn't work and then everybody else says it's operator error? <laughs> it usually
2: is
4: (laughs) okay if you think so
6: now what a difference 24 hours makes from a mother nature standpoint first off we're back in studio there's no snuggie there's no animal dung that was a tough look yesterday jake i'm just gotta tell you that the blanket look
4: it looks like an old man waiting for soup you know what okay before we get to and there's a massive story for us to talk about this morning and we have great guests lined up but let me just say this because i haven't had a chance to defend myself since I know it was probably a weird look. Yesterday when we got to Colts camp, and it's been great being out there, and thanks to the Colts and also to Quack Daddy Donuts and others who have made it possible for us to be out there every day, or or, or every day that we've been out there, I mean. But I didn't realize, my own fault, I I did not realize that it was supposed to be, I mean, Kevin, would you agree that with wind chill, and it was really windy, it had to be in the 50s, right? mm -hmm, Agreed. So I just had shorts and my fan golf shirt on and i got out and was like holy cow well usually i carry in my car like a sweatshirt just for you know you go to a movie and it's too cold you go out and you get a sweatshirt out of your car i didn't have one but i do have I think it was the Pacers gave away those like sn- those like fleece blankets a couple years ago for the playoffs or something, and I happen to have that in my car, and I'm like, well, that's the closest I'm going to get.
6: You look like my grandmother I, at like my soccer games totally,
4: growing up. totally agree. I, <laughs> I looked probably ridiculous. I don't know why it is. Typically, this is not the case. And I got me.
6: nervous when you put your hands underneath that blanket, and then I couldn't tell what was going
4: on there. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, like, for whatever reason, just I, I got like the, a little chill got in me when I when the day started, and I couldn't escape it so i was cold the whole day so i readily admit i probably look like an idiot but guess what i was comfortable by then so fine mark no
6: blanket for you tonight when you'll be out there right it's no i think i think the nice. girls and
4: i'll take
5: care of things and we'll be we'll
4: be
2: fine
6: yeah a uh, high of 81 today uh, again we are back in studio and you see the roy g biv over riley towers right now it looks glorious i don't know that i see
4: green in there
6: outside just right above the the antenna maybe on the tower yeah, okay you well, might be a little blocked out by that. But good Wednesday morning to you. The joint practices will commence at six o'clock tonight. JMV will be out there for those. Again, the Chicago Bears. Police escort descended upon the Indy area yesterday afternoon, just before rush hour. Meetings last night with the Colts coaching staff to divvy up. All right, we want, you know, our ones to do this against your ones, and this guy's been really good for us in camp, and we want him to face that guy. All of those meetings happened last night. And again, six to eight PM each of the next two nights, and that will conclude the practices at Grand Park. As Jake mentioned, we do have, um, I would say, a really nice guest line lined up today. Stephen Holder is going to be with us at eight thirty. There continues to be more on the Jonathan Taylor front. I tweeted it last night, and I, I guess I should realize, as a you know whatever ten-year veteran on Twitter, that anything you say along those lines can be taken as like, oh my gosh, he, yeah, here comes some breaking news. I think the Colts' tone on Jonathan Taylor has changed. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm not going to you know, tease at 7.03 that I have some Jonathan Taylor breaking news. I don't want to misconstrue anybody along those lines, but I do think the tone has changed, and we'll explain more later in the show. I would call her current ESPN star, um, also a fellow 2012 Indiana University graduate, Courtney Cronin, uh, who covers the Bears for ESPN. She joins us coming up. Uh, that's 9 o'clock, right, Mark? 9 o'clock. And then Solomon Wilcott, who was out at camp yesterday. Jake, were they in the tent next to us, Serious? I, I think they must have been. Did you notice his co-host? Did not. Bruce Grodkowski? Oh, remember yeah. that
4: name? Of course.
6: Former NFL quarterback, quarterback yeah. uh,
4: Toledo. I I think of the Bucks mostly, right?
6: Bucks, yeah. Um, him and Stephen Holder were catching up, so yeah, I, I, that would make sense there. Um, he's going to join us coming up at nine thirty. Solomon Wilcott talked to Chris Ballard, and I find the audio that Chris Ballard shared with Sirius, um, again a, a tad different. I, I would probably say more different than what his original stance has been on the Jonathan Taylor situation so we'll we'll play actually both of those clips coming up in a bit just to kind of compare contrast where the tone has changed for the Colts
4: the the big news yesterday was that uh, and of course as always this happened what 10 minutes after we were off the air god I feel like 10 seconds um Anthony Richardson and I don't think a big surprise here but maybe a surprise I don't think the fact that Anthony Richardson was named the season starter for the Colts I don't think that was shocking. I think what was surprising was that it came definitively this early. You know, you kind of thought maybe they would carry it through and and do a slow handover, but that's not the case. Um, the handoff is, has taken place before the year even begins. It's the right call to me. I, to me, it seems kind of like a no-brainer um, that that eventually you're going to hand the keys over to them. And what have, what have both of us said, Kevin – since the beginning of camp, this year is all about Anthony Richardson, period, and it's all about the the growth and the development of Anthony Richardson. And in today's NFL, I think that they they've they being just football in general, the thought process is uh, the sooner the better, basically.
6: Jake, yesterday was practice number eleven for the Colts. Um, we didn't talk a, a lot about like what to necessarily expect at practice yesterday, um, but one of the things I did mention to you in that opening segment was the time is now, in my opinion to give Anthony Richardson the starting reps moving forward. And a big reason why I pointed to yesterday morning as that time is because you look at tonight and you look at tomorrow. You got those two joint sessions. You look at Saturday. You play another preseason game. Next week is a very uh, light week. You, You practice on Tuesday in Philly, the joint session with the Eagles, and then you play your final preseason game a week from Thursday. So in the next... Eight days, you have five practices and or games. They're all against an an opponent. Three joint sessions, two practices. You don't need to dilly-dally around with Gardner Minshew getting a first-team look. You don't need to waste those starting reps with a guy that clearly they have always mentioned throughout this offseason. We want to play Anthony Richardson and we want to play him early. So the timing to me made a lot of sense in that again you're entering the most critical part of August from an evaluation standpoint so give Richardson's eyes all that exposure to different teams different systems different looks and I I think the NFL has explained this but I can't stress enough you know what Mark in the stands is going to see tonight from Chicago is going to look a whole lot different than what Chicago is going to show Saturday when all when the rest of the NFL can see that Games on NFL Network Saturday night. The rest of the NFL can watch that. They can view the film, this and that. It's technically illegal to go to joint practices and film that. So they're going to be much more willing to do some things that they'll probably try and use in the regular season tonight and tomorrow night, and they'll show that to Anthony Richardson. So I think that's just great exposure for a guy that obviously is is very, very raw. And Jake, I don't know if anyone cares about this because it obviously is not the end-all, be-all but this move just signifies at least the Colts won't be boring this
4: year. Oh, I, I said, who Who was I talking to? Oh, uh, I ran into Kyle Connett, Bullseye Event Group. Sure. Puts together the best pregame tailgates that great, you're going to find. Great human. And he and I were talking, and I, I remember I, I said to him, he was like, so what do you think? And I mean, he really knows the Colts inside and out. I mean, he's a huge, you know, he follows it pretty closely. And... I said, the bottom line is, though, Kyle, it's probably good news for you and for those like in the ticket business or whatever else. They're not going to be boring. The last few years, Kevin, they've been boring, right? I mean, is it unfair of me to say that? Jake, they've been bad, they've been boring, and
6: they've been old at quarterback. You can't be those three things. You can be bad, and they very well might be bad this year. They might be four-win bad. But they're not going to be boring, and they're not going to be old at quarterback. And that is important when you're trying to grow something, when you're trying to build something. I also think this move is very beneficial to the other 10 guys around Anthony Richardson, the offense for, for those that have been out there and they just watch Minshew run an offense and they watch Richardson run an offense. It's two very different systems and two very different styles of plays. Um, it's probably a question better for Joe Wrightson. We had him on earlier in the week, but I'd venture to guess for the offensive line blocking for Richardson and the plays that they want to use with him is probably a lot different than blocking for Minshew right. and the plays that they want to use for him. So it allows those guys to get used to what the system will look like for Anthony Richardson. And Jake, I think back to our Reggie Wayne conversation a couple weeks back. You know, asked Reggie, okay, take us back to 2012 in that rookie season what was the leadership baton like between you and Andrew Luck? And he said to Andrew in that rookie season, all lead, you get used to NFL life, and then you come to me when you're ready. And I think Reggie said it was week 12, I believe, when Andrew finally said to him, all right, man, I feel pretty good about this. Let me kind of take over. And Reggie said, all you. I don't think this offense has a Reggie Wayne presence, but I think what this move does, Jake, is it sends a message to Anthony Richardson and it sends a message to the rest of the offense that this is Anthony Richardson. He is the quarterback. And so now it allows Richardson to kind of establish his footprint as a leader and as a guy that's going to be, obviously, the franchise centerpiece moving forward. So by no means am I saying, oh yeah, he's absolutely ready for this moment. Not at all. But the only reason you know how ready he is is you play him. You see where he needs development. You see where he needs support. All of those things. And that's why I am a fan of of this move, no matter what, but in particular, doing it, entering such a critical evaluation period.
4: I I think the two players that probably, aside from Anthony Richardson, the two players that jump out to me that are the most, actually, I, I take that back, Kevin, three. There are three players that yesterday's news was the most important for. And those three, in no particular order, would be Alec Pierce. Josh Downs and Bernard Ryman, because those are three pillar pieces for a young quarterback. Now, obviously, Michael Pittman Jr. goes without saying. Obviously, if he's healthy, Jonathan Taylor goes without saying. But those guys have played in the league for a while now and probably have a shorter conversion rate, for lack of better phrase, on adaption or how to adapt to a style of play. If you're Alec Pierce and you're just now, you know, a receiver in particular, I think you got to go through a year of just seeing defenses and looks and everything else, which is what Downs is getting ready to go through. And Ryman as well, if you're a left tackle, you know, from Tariq Glenn to Anthony Costanzo, which are the two benchmarks that we have to go by in this market of left tackle, solid long-term play, the first year is a learning year. So... You might as well allow all three of those guys in their critical learning phases as young players in the NFL to be learning with the engine that's the one that they're expected to be driving with for the next five years. So do it now. Because Bernard Ryman, for example, the tendencies of a quarterback, the movement in a pocket from Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew are light years apart. So you don't want Ryman getting used to, in his mind, the movement or the the necessity for one quarterback, and then once he finally has got it all figured out, you got another quarterback coming in, and and you got to kind of start over. So it's critical for those guys as well. I, I mean, I don't see, other than the fact, Kevin, that they may not win a lot of games this year, and I think the difference between Richardson and Minshew is probably like two wins, but, and maybe, hey, maybe he's Andrew Luck. Maybe all of a sudden, like every ball bounces their way, and they find themselves and and approaching double-digit wins. I think it surprised me, but you never know in the NFL. But this year, it just—it's like the Pacers war, Kevin. You just be upfront with it. Look, this is about one thing this year, so bear with us and be patient, and that's where we are.
6: You know, this is probably a big picture thought, Jake, on this. But the other thing I had kind of walking away from hearing that news yesterday is. This should finally solve the continual revolving door. Like I, I, I'm i trying to think. In the year 2016, Jake, I was living in a shoebox by IEPUI. I probably was helping a Tin Roof close down on a Friday or Saturday night. Maddie and the thought of two kids could not be further from my mind. Hell, doing this show, uh, let alone with you, was probably the furthest thing from my mind, which I guess that'll be the case on Monday. Um, That's right. Jake, 2015-2016.
4: You know, actually, just so you know, Kevin, starting next week, I'm closing down the 10 roof.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I could sleep into 11.30, folks. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, 2015-2016. The last time the Colts opened up the season with the same starting quarterback. I mean, think about that. Back-to-back years. You're just asking for the same week one quarterback the Colts have not had that since 2015 and 2016. 2016, it was Luck. 17, Tolzien. 18, you go back to Luck. 19, Bursett. 20, Rivers. 21, is Wentz. 22, is Ryan. And 23, is Richardson. Obviously, if you would have gone Minshew this year, you still would have continued that to 2024, assuming Richardson would have been the guy in 2024. And we're talking about a team that in that span, since 2015, 2016, you haven't won a division title, you've made the playoffs once, and you haven't won a season opener. I think those things correlate with the lack of continuity at quarterback. So this move, it is a big-picture move, and I'm not saying you're going to come out and win a season opener or win the division or anything like that, but now you are telling everybody in that building and in your locker room, this is our guy, and this is our guy moving forward. Live with it, grow with it, support, develop, all of those things.
4: Now, Kevin... Of those quarterbacks you named, you know, one of the underrated or underappreciated things about the Colts of the last, like, seven, eight years, should we not have had some pause about the quarterback assessment period, which I think with Richardson, you know, once you finally go into a top five pick area, you know, know you're getting a guy that is pretty highly valued. But, but prior to the Carson Wentz that didn't work out, that was maybe more off-field ownership stuff. Matt Ryan, which was complete. Philip Rivers was a nice player. He, he did a good job for them. But should we not have... And we weren't doing this show, to your point. Should we not, as media and fans, been more concerned at the time with the precedent or the foreshadow of quarterback assessment when Scott Tolzien was named the starter like in hindsight when you look back on that don't you think to yourself like how was that the guy that they determined and is yeah. that the fastest yank of the chain of all time for a quarterback that was your starter
6: yeah if I'm not mistaken he got benched in the third quarter of the season opener yeah, correct which is kind of hard to do yeah
4: <laughs> It is.
6: I was at that game in the Coliseum. Sean McVay's first game as Rams head coach. Chuck Pagano said afterwards that the Colts were preparing for the 49ers. I'm like, well, there's the issue. They're, yeah. they're getting ready for the wrong team. Um, So that was when they, what, traded for Brissett like 10 days before the start of the season and then Brissett became their starter in week yeah. two and started the rest of the season? Yeah, again, they, uh, I don't want to go down this path at all, so I apologize for even offering it. But Andrew Luck should have had surgery after the 2015 season. Him electing to go rehab to get ready for 2016 just delayed delay the inevitable. And I can't
4: remember, was Tolzina a Grigson or Ballard Uh
6: Grigson. Uh-huh. Yeah, Grigson signing. So he was supposed
4: to be... I was thinking it was Ballard. I, I thought that was Ballard's first year. Uh, 20...
6: Well, now that you say that. No, I think it was Grigson. Gosh, I could be wrong on that.
4: It, it, I mean, it does...
6: Yeah, those two run run together there because 2015 what would have been Hasselbeck was Tolzien the backup in 2016
4: I'm, I'm looking right here as to who named him the starter uh it definitely was under Chuck's watch I know that he kind of played everywhere right Green Bay was probably where I where I remember him the most he signed a two-year d- so- he signed a two-year deal in March of 2016 yeah so Gregson um yeah, so he was the backup in 2016
6: when luck started. I want to say he luck started. He was named
4: the starting quarterback to begin the 2017 season. So that would have been under Ballard and Pagano's yeah. watch. Yeah.
6: Which again, again, uh, this is a path I don't want to go down. But Ursay just should have fired Pagano when he fired.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean Gregson. That was, that was always going to be a tough game. The lamest right.
6: of the lame duck for that first year under Chris Bowers. So obviously, that is a big news item. We'll play some clips on Anthony Richardson being named the starter throughout the show. Again, I think the tone has changed a little bit with Jonathan Taylor here. And Jake, we've reached a point. I could be wrong on this. I don't see Jonathan Taylor practicing for at least another week and a half. And now we're two weeks out from the season opener. And I know it's a lot of calendar looking, and it's probably some math crunching. And, you know, I, I know it probably doesn't make for great radio, but is two weeks enough time to get ready for week one? Huh. When you've missed nine months? When you're as. I'm not sure. And again, I it might be a tad unfair for me to say this, Jake. I'm not sure there's a player on the Colts roster that's more in tune, concerned, whatever you want to call it, about his body than Jonathan Taylor. And then you throw the contract situation on top of it. And this dude ain't playing until he's 130%.
4: I I thought it was interesting yesterday when Bob Kravitz said he didn't think he'll play another down for him. But that was because of trade, right? Yeah. I mean, he
6: just said. I'm starting to think him on the pup list. I, I should probably pay more attention to that. Him just staying on this pup list, missing the first four games of the season. I'm telling you. That thought hasn't really crossed my mind, and then in the last 24 hours, now it's like... Well, hmm.
4: I, I still think, Kevin, it is in play that they could put him on the football non-injury list. That no, once you think they, they could go back? Once they do that, it's over. Well, that's legal. That's that's what I mean.
6: It seems like the Colts, at least publicly, have stopped even going there. I guess, to, to be fair, Ursay was the only one that did that, and he did it in a anonymous source way again I'm I'm assuming it was Ursae I guess I should make that clear but Shane Steichen hasn't mentioned the back one time he has mentioned the ankle and I think and we'll play that Ballard audio coming up I think Ballard said ankle yesterday when talking to Sirius XM um Mark I I say this not in a joking manner um where are the Bears good? Like, like where, where should Colts fans be curious here in the next two days coming up Saturday? I know they were the worst sack team in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. So, Yanni Kangakwe was obviously an acquisition to help that. So, it might not be the greatest test for your offensive line. Right. Um, but, any areas that you think. The Bears can test Indianapolis. Their
5: back seven, their linebackers and secondary are all very good. Uh, they played the Titans in their preseason opener, and they had eight sacks and four takeaways. Ooh, so that was pretty impressive. So the pass
6: rush did ramp it up. They,
5: the pass rush came back in full force uh, on the preseason opener, so that was pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know how much run Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the rest of the starters are going to get on offense, but they looked pretty good, and obviously they've like they've. a they um, like a three-headed monster at running back where they have Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, and a rookie that they drafted. So they have a, the ability to switch out guys. And obviously, Dante, Chase Claypool's banged up. He's banged up. Yeah, that's not a surprise. He's been banged up pretty much since he got to Chicago. So but
6: DJ Moore will be a test for these DJ corners. Moore
5: will be a test. Yes, he will be a test. And then they've got uh, Robert Tanyan, and they've got... Mercedes Lewis and they've got Cole Komet at tight end.
6: Mercedes Lewis is still in the NFL.
5: Yeah. They signed him to a one year deal. I think it's mostly just for blocking purposes and whatnot. But yeah, thirty nine year old tight end. So we'll see how that goes. And then their offensive line is uh is young. But hopefully going to be taking steps in the right direction. Braxton Jones is the left tackle that was drafted, I think, in the fifth round. And they're getting some pretty good play from him. And then we've got Tevin Jenkins and all that stuff. So their offensive yeah, line is a higher be... pick, Jenkins.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at their roster um, last night, and I forgot that they have Reese Fountain, former fifth-round pick of the Colts. That was a Ballard draft pick, I think 2018 draft. And, and I'll be curious, Reese Fountain's emotions coming back to Grand Park. It was a joint practice. Boy, it had to have been... I don't know. Four years ago, now where he suffered just a horrifying injury. I think it was against the Browns, if not, if I'm not mistaken. um So now he is back, and I would assume this is probably one of his last chances in the NFL. And then PJ Walker is is PJ the darling? Is he the backup? Yep. Or is he was it play- Nathan Peterman?
5: No, no. no. PJ Walker got some run in the in the preseason
4: opener got as well. Some run. Yeah, got he, some run. Okay. He looked good. I like what that about signing. Byrne? Are you not going? We got some Burn. No, I th- feel like Burn's more burn. basketball. It is. Spin, that's basketball mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you could say run basketball
6: as well.
5: Lots of former Colts
4: coming to town.
6: Matt Eberflus? So no, Matt Eberflus, Stop yeah. at Bridgewater. Johnnigan today.
5: I believe there's a couple more coaches on the staff too that have some Indiana ties. Is Alan Colts
6: Williams still a defensive coordinator? I believe
5: so, yes. Yeah,
6: he was He was here. Well, he was with dungie wasn't he, Jake? Uh, he was. Um... Yeah, at the end of Dungy, right? I think so. I think he was part of kind of that Leslie Frazier group there to round it out. So, again, 6 o'clock tonight from Grand Park. That will be the joint practice, for number one, for the Colts and the Bears, and then coming up again tomorrow night. The schedule for today, Stephen Holder at 8.30, Courtney Cronin. You see her on first take. You see her on, hell, everything, around the horn. Um, she covers the Bears for ESPN, so the colleague of Stephen Holder, she is going to join us at 9. And then yesterday out at camp, Solomon Wilcott, part of the Sirius XM crew, they caught up with Chris Ballard, among others, and asked him about the Jonathan Taylor situation. We'll play that audio coming up. Uh, but he'll join us at 9.30. So we'll move the Pop Quiz around today. If you are heading out to Grand Park, make sure you make a stop up at Quack Daddy Donuts. Your keyword of the day up there, simple football
4: pretty easy three bucks off <coughs> a dozen right
6: uh and then isn't it buy one like get half off on a coffee or something did i see that yeah buy one get one coffee beverage half off so nice little uh morning jolt uh football that is the keyword of the day again just north of 161st and spring mill quack daddy donuts you gotta get a fruity
4: pebble donut.
6: for bears fans Do it or right. Colts fans football pretty simple on that end, he is Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykston is with us. We're back in studio. That means no snuggy and no animal dung being picked up. Well, on this it's it's very early. Let's Wednesday not morning. And I guess to practice. be fair, I haven't okay. walked around Let's the entire speak studio. Not speaking absolutes. Yeah, I don't know what Mark has done in the studio here over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but our time at Grand Park is over. But the Colts have two more practices left in Westfield. Good Wednesday morning to you. It's a beautiful start to this hump day. Thanks for tuning in. 93.5 5, 107.5 The Fan.
2: On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
6: All right, the big news yesterday from Westfield. Shane Steichen, he actually informed Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew on Monday that it will be Anthony Richardson as the starting quarterback in 2023. Uh, And then, of course, yesterday we saw practice number 11 with Richardson once again taking all of these starting reps. Here with Shane Steichen after practice on the reason for going with a rookie.
4: You know, he's got big-time playmaking ability, Uh, and, you know, that's been, you know, showcased in,
6: you know, training camp, Uh, and then obviously he did some really good things in that preseason game, Um, so, you know, I think he brings that playmaking ability, you know, that we need. You know, he's got big-time playmaking ability. Jake, I think... What are we doing it, now? We repeated for a second. <laughs> to use to Rest use the uh, use the baseball analogy there, the Colts have gone with the single and double quarterback. Gardner Minshew's the single and double guy. Now the thought is, can the home runs outweigh the strikeouts? And you don't want him to be Adam Dunn, right? Adam Dunn, but don't throw your bat 30 feet into the stands. You're going to have some strikeouts. Make sure they are... Is there such thing as a good strikeout? Probably not. Um I, I don't know. He can he can have outs but let them be outs that the ball goes into play. Here's my Don't let them have the interception.
4: Here's my only concern. It's on Saturday. Concerns probably the wrong word. But he had a play in the Buffalo game where there was a and I think it was a designed run play or maybe the pocket just collapsed and he tucked it down and decided to run. But as he's going towards you know to go out of bounds, he lowers his shoulder And goes straight on, essentially, into – well, kind of at an angle. But he lowers his shoulder into the defender trying to tackle him. Which is like everything you don't want your quarterback to do, right? Yeah. I know he's a massive – I mean, he is huge. He is a big, big quarterback. But even the the biggest, strongest of quarterbacks that were great athletes, when they relied on their legs and their size – eventually it starts to wear you down and that would be my i'm talking like five year seven year down the road now at at that point but that's got to find that
6: balance where you know he's not a runner first which i don't think he was that at florida and he only had two carries and 29 snaps on saturday but certainly finding that balance how he takes hits sliding all of those things will be important for his development. So, again, the Colts tonight, 6 to 8 p.m. with the Bears. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m. with the Bears. And that wraps up their 13 practice stay at Grand Park.
4: Uh, Attention, St. Louis Cardinal fans. I need you to move to the front of the room. All the Cardinal fans that are listening, move to the front of the room. Okay? Okay. Because you are basically the only group of fans right now that are going to want to hear what I have to say. Uh, essentially, every team of local interest that most people in, in Central Indiana root for in baseball lost yesterday, except for you Cardinal fans. Go ahead and, and pat yourself on the back. Cardinals won yesterday 6-2. Well, that's true. That is true. but it, Well, for the Cardinals this year, yeah, it does. Yeah, they need everyone they can get. Uh, Cleveland over Cincinnati yesterday, 3 Are you going to
7: abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this
6: team? <laughs> I think the Cubs lost. White Sox over the Cubs, 5-3. I think the Marlins lost. The Cubs lost to the vaunted White Sox, uh-huh. Mark.
4: That's okay. Cute fella. 10-3 losers to the Padres. But the good news in all of this in baseball yesterday, the Indianapolis Indians, 8-5 winners over the St. Saint Paul Saints. Miguel Andujar had three RBI for the Tribe. Honestly, they have won the, three straight. The
6: best news for the Reds and Cubs yesterday. The Marlins lost and the Brewers lost. Mm-hmm. So yep. you did not lose any ground there. Led LaCruz Cruz with one of the dumber base running mistakes I've seen yesterday. Just put a cherry on top of the Reds and competence here in the month of August. Uh, Do you guys see the uh, uh, Pacers, I guess, slash the NBA announced that in-season tournament schedule? you see how much money goes to the winner of that tournament? No. If you win the in-season tournament 500K to every player on the winning team, I would think for a guy like Jordan Wara or like the eighth or ninth guy Hell from the Pacers, yeah. that's a notable amount of money.
4: No question. Now I will I will readily admit this. It is probably not wise for a sports radio host to admit ignorance when it comes to something like this. And I'm going to. I think most people know over the course of doing this show, I was pretty candid about the fact that when I went back to finish school, math was not a strong suit for me and it was a real challenge. I don't necessarily understand the in-season tournament. I will admit that. I know I'm going to have to get up to speed on it, and somebody over at the Pacers is going to have to talk to me like I'm a third grader about it, but I don't think I'm alone in saying that I'm not totally positive how it works.
6: Uh, I'll try and give it a little bit of a stab. Feel free to ask questions, Jake. Four games, the Pacers pod is with the Cavs, the Sixers, the Hawks, in the Pistons. Okay. So those four will be part of their 82-game schedule. These are okay. not extra games. The winner of that group, there's six of these groups, and then there'll be two card teams. They advance to the quarterfinals. So the quarterfinal, semifinal, final will be a single elimination tournament. Think of it like the Elite Eight and on from the NCAA tournament. The teams that do not make the quarter and semifinals, they'll play the other losers. Of their respective, of the other groups. So. There's only
4: one extra game that will be played. So there is some team that the Pacers could end up playing more than they're scheduled to do so?
6: Every team in the league but two will play 82 games this season. The two teams that make the championship game of this in in season tournament, they will play an 83rd game. Everybody else will just play 82. These games are simply a part of your 82 game
4: schedule. But here's where I get confused. So, like. The Pacers advance out of this, we'll call it the Midwest pod. Sure. Okay? So they advance, and then Sacramento was the winner of the West Coast pod. Mm Mm-hmm then the game that already was scheduled for them to play regularly anyway now all of a sudden has extra meaning to it whereas if neither of them advances out of their pot it's just another regular season game
6: no they will then play the kings i guess for a third time this season don't you play every western conference team
4: twice yeah that's what i'm saying so so there is another game that that pops up then
6: Correct. So basically
4: every team, I guess, has two and, and when unknown that get, games. And when do the unknown games get popped up? Are so
6: November 3rd, 14th, 21st, and 24th. Those are your pool play games. And then I want to say it's like December
4: 6th and 8th. I'd have to
6: double check. So you may or up.
4: may not be playing on December 6th or 8th.
6: You will be playing that week of December. It's either the games will be in Vegas for the quarterfinal, semifinal, or final. Or you'll be playing some sort of home-and-home
4: with other teams, okay, I'm still confused.
6: Five hundred thousand okay. to the winning team, two hundred thousand to the losing team. If you make the semifinals, a hundred grand. If you make the quarters, fifty.
5: Do you find it at all confusing? It makes Mark? total sense to me. Okay. Do you say that seriously, Mark? <laughs> no, I, I don't understand. I,
6: I don't th- well, I it's think not, it's you, not
5: overly complicated. It's just I haven't. It, it, I think, I think when you like, look
6: at it, it is not overly
5: complicated. I haven't done it deep enough. I think it's like
4: hockey. I think it's like the game of hockey. It is simpler than... It's intimidating because it seems overly complex, but those that understand it are like, no, man, it's pretty simple.
6: Basically, you're going to take four games in November. They're, they are on a Tuesday and Friday night. Those four will go to the pool play, and then if you advance, okay. you have a quarter, semi, final game in Vegas. If you don't, you play other teams from the losing pools either so, at their arena or in your own so the arena.
4: games that you're playing are all games that have the normal every season relevance towards yep. your standings Pounds to 41 and 41 but or whatever. what you do in them then determines whether or not they have additional implication correct okay see how easy that was mark <laughs> they nailed you. it Thank education you. right there yeah you know i don't know if you know what do we try
5: to do on this program mark we educate and entertain That's right
6: i think the tone of the cults has changed a bit in regards to jonathan taylor we'll explain more coming up stephen holder joins us at 8 30 kevin inquiry on a glorious
8: life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider kisimta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home if you're ready for something different Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kisimta.com, Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
6: wednesday here in indy absolutely picture perfect wednesday here in indy yeah no snuggie no animal dung needed be picked up i should say uh on this wednesday morning it is back to summer weather here as the colts have
4: joint practices tonight it's and still early mark says are you anticipating tomorrow. a small zoo coming through here
6: well
5: uh, kevin thought grass clippings were on the ground yesterday and he, he sure reality hit
6: his nose pretty quickly there i was also thinking is he anticipating a cold front around noon no. coming in um, check date <laughs> mind. Neither here Never mind. nor there. Um, I think the tone, Jake, on Jonathan Taylor has changed a bit from the Colts. And I, I think the best way to explain that is to hear from Chris Ballard. And basically, we have heard from Ballard twice since training camp began. Once, the first day of training camp, which would have been, I guess, three weeks ago now. And then yesterday, he chatted with Sirius XM, and we will have Solomon Wilcott joining us at 930 who was one of the people speaking with him yesterday. But in regards to Jonathan Taylor's situation, I think we can agree out of Ursay, Taylor, and Ballard, Ballard is probably the one that offers the least amount of emotion or uh, you know, public displays of seventh grade relationship like we have seen from Ursay and we've seen from Taylor's agent I would say probably more than Taylor I guess Taylor's chimed in a little bit on social let's go back to opening day Mark play this clip this is Chris Ballard on Jonathan Taylor on report day of training camp
9: yeah we're not going to get into I mean you know me on the contracts we're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys so we'll move forward as we I mean look we've been I mean, our history's really good you know, but saying that, we're coming off a four-win season. We have a new coaching staff. So we'll kind of let it play out as it does um, and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions.
6: Jake, in that answer, I don't hear one mention of an ankle, one mention of an injury. Mark, play the uh, clip yesterday, Sirius XM. This is Chris Bowder the Solomon Wilcott
7: having a Jonathan Taylor in that same backfield with Anthony Richardson because you know that's that's what excites the fan base. Yeah,
9: no, and look, look, we – I think the world of of Jonathan. Um, he's been a great colt, been a great player for the colt. You know, unfortunately last year he he, you know, he, he got hurt early in the season, was dinged all year, fought through it till he finally got to a point where he had to, you know, have the surgery and now now he's finishing his rehab process and so hopefully hopefully as we move forward here we'll get him back, but we need to get him 100% healthy before we do anything.
6: To me, Jake, that's a much different tone than the opening day. Hard, no mention
4: of the injury on opening day. Well, apparently, do you remember, it wasn't until after the, that initial comment, it was shortly thereafter, where it came out that Taylor had failed the physical, and some believe that Ballard hadn't yet known all of that when he was doing the media, right? I'm not saying that's accurate, but that was kind of the explanation. And then three
6: weeks later, that is the tone. So the questions I have from that is, is this injury worse? Is this injury the holdup? Ballard says right there, we've got to get him 100% before we do something. Now, the something could be give him an extension, or it could be trade him. Right. Um, it, It just seems like the physical aspect to this and the health aspect to it, that is a much different tone from the Colts over the last couple of weeks. And I'm curious, is this having a second chance at the Shaquille Leonard situation? Remember Shaq a few years ago? Same agent. He doesn't practice the first 10 days of camp. They give him a contract extension. Then he starts to practice, and now look at it. You'd consider the Shaquille Leonard contract a bad contract. Is there
4: trying to learn from that with Taylor's situation here? I, I think the the injury is convenient for the Colts. I think it's convenient for the Colts because Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to play for the franchise. And Jonathan Taylor's made it plain and simple, and at times, I think, even almost acidic to the franchise that he doesn't want to play for him. And for the Colts, it's a lot easier to say, well, we're still trying to figure out how healthy it is, than to say, we're still trying to figure out why he didn't like us anymore. So I think they're trying to – Chris Ballard, and and I'm going to defend Chris Ballard here. Chris Ballard's in a tough spot because you have the owner – telling anybody that will listen that they're not going to trade jonathan taylor but it's in the best interest of chris ballard to trade jonathan taylor right but you can't come out and say it that way so you've got to find ways to tiptoe through the tulips which is a wonderful song
0: by the way
6: i'm really curious jake how much of this is taylor's own decision and not wanting to push this i i I said it kind of to open up the show. I I don't think there's a player on the roster that is more in tune, plugged in, worried, concerned, however you want to describe it, about his body on this Colts roster than Taylor. I think he's always been that way. Those at Wisconsin would rave, honestly, about the prehab stuff he would do and all of those things. And I felt like we saw that with Taylor last year. We get to points late in the week, Jake, where it looked like he'd practice, looked like he practiced, and then uh, Taylor kind of made the decision to pull back and say, yeah, I'm not going to play. If this is really an injury, and we heard Jim say a couple weeks back, remember him reference like, well, EJ Speed had the same injury, and he's back, same surgery, and he's back. Like, we're now going on nine months for a high ankle right. sprain. I know. To me, that's almost more concerning. If this is really more health, than it is, it's probably both, to be fair. It's a little health and a little bit of contract as well. Then that, to me, is pretty darn concerning. Because I've heard very conflicting things on the ankle. I've heard from people that it's really serious, and I've also heard from people if Taylor had a contract extension, he'd practice tomorrow. So it is interesting to me, though, how Ballard, who I think is the of the big three, Taylor... Urse Ballard, he's the one that I think is the most level-headed with his public comments. It's interesting how much the, the the tone has changed from four-win football team, we have a new coaching staff, to we've got to get him healthy.
4: I want to say one thing. I know we're up against it, but I do want to point this out because it's kind of an elephant in the room in these scenarios. People ask a lot. A lot. And I hear a lot, and I see the the cynicism of local media and almost the pointing fun at local media a lot about – why don't like? Why does Chris Ballard never talk to the local media, but yet like the national media? He's doing a you know a tell all with SiriusXM or ESPN or whatever else. Why does Adam Schefter break all the stories and the local guys never do, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I'm well past the point of my career and the age of being like, you know offended by those things i i actually understand it from like chris ballard's standpoint i get it it's faster to get your message out to the to the biggest megaphone i I totally get it however what i think especially right now and i'm saying this i'm speaking for the fans of this town i think that it would behoove chris ballard or the Colts in general, to at times take a step back to realize that when your general manager goes the entire course of a season, especially during seasons of that are a bit tumultuous, without talking to the fans in a local standpoint, and by that I mean to a local television station or a local radio station or whatever it might be, by not speaking to a local – fans see the local media as more intimate. Of, of speaking to them, whereas when you do a national outlet, it looks like you are actually doing it kind of more so, less about speaking to your fans and more about speaking to your own brand. And while I understand the strategy from the Colts' standpoint, I think it would behoove Chris Ballard to also have those moments of transparency and humility to the local media because the fans will see that as a more intimate conversation from him and thus he would be more engaging in the eyes of the, the ticket buying fan base as opposed to seeing him as somebody who only does it when it's convenient for his overall brand
6: we'll see if balor talks two weeks from today again roster cuts happen tuesday the what is that the 29th um so i think he pretty much talks every year after those roster cuts and again we will hear from jim mercy saturday Remember what I said to Rake a few weeks ago, Jake? I go, Rake? And that's Greg Rakestraw on the TV call, the preseason broadcast. I go, you're going to get the next, I think, big-time Taylor comment, and that being from Jim Irsay coming up in the third quarter this Saturday. And Greg Rakestraw did say that uh, Jim Irsay will join him and Rick Venturi in the booth this Saturday, and we will see what he has to say on the Jonathan Taylor front. By the way, apologies. Solomon Cotts going to join us at 9.30. don't know why I was going singular with the serious NFL <laughs> XM Analyst, uh, he was the one fielding that question to Chris Ballard yesterday, their show going to air a little bit later today on that end he's going to join us coming up at 9.30 Stephen Holder at 8.30, Courtney Cronin covers the Bears for ESPN, among other things, starred ESPN, she joins us coming up at 9 o'clock, Kevin Acquire here on a Wednesday
8: Life is full of things to manage, your work your family, your plans and your treatment, consider symptoms
2: Previously on Kevin Inquiry.
4: I have Vegemite for you guys. Now I've got the cheesy bite Vegemite, and I've got regular Vegemite. I would recommend but it's peanut butter ish. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend necessarily sniffing it ahead of time. No. Okay. Kevin has taken his bite. <laughs> Marcus. <is> ta- oh. <laughs> Jake, that's horrible. <laughs> Absolutely Mark, horrible. Mark, Mark Mark almost immediately recycled Wait a minute. Did you put it down? You yeah. didn't try the cheesy stuff. Oh, I'm going to first <laughs> swallow this awful pizza. I'm
7: going to throw up. I think I'm going to throw up. Don't I'm going to throw up.
4: Mark, oh man, Mark is I struggling with you too. What's it doesn't at? go away.
6: Yeah, th- th- there's like a
4: bite to it. Like a, it's a yeast extract. It's loaded with vitamins. Oh, I got my own. <laughs> I'm not. So now do I go to the cheese side next? <laughs> sure. Try the cheese side and see how that goes for you. It's a little salty. I would say is the best a way to little. describe it. <laughs> you thought the saltwater
5: pool was salty. Mark, go ahead. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going. I'm going full toast. Here we go.
4: <laughs> you just put the whole thing oh, in. Oh my god. Oh
6: my God. I hope we don't lose. <laughs> Our down under audience because of this. Good
0: day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the ball
4: I couldn't do it. Oh God! <laughs> Which one of you guys wants to lick the knife? Here, Jake. Oh yeah, pass it this way. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, Mark's gonna hop out of his chair. When your mom that. used to make cake batter, didn't you ever lick the blade? Right. No, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> God Almighty. I said, do you speak of my language? That was a fun morning, you guys. I decided to educate you a little bit on the culture. You on the mm-hmm. Vegemite. Yep. That was worse than the mayo and the coffee. Yeah, I think Eesh, that, I think I think that's the power ranking. I would go with too. No, let, well, okay. So basically, grossest things in the in this show, your your candidates would be Vegemite, uh, mayo in the coffee, and then yesterday, Kevin with the dung. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think Kevin yesterday was
5: oh, one. I, I'm, I'm sure Kevin put Little Kings
6: up there, too. No, are you kidding me? Uh, I thought the it's bottle was ale. so cool looking that, that it made up for the lack of taste. Okay. I thought the dung had a crust to it as well <laughs> that, that made it a little easier to get it in the bag. What? I think when they play the Titans this year, Mark, and we'll see if Andy's going to be on board with this. And by the way, if you missed, Andy Sweeney with us yesterday. New co-host coming up on Monday. Uh, he was on with us to close out, I guess, the final hour yesterday. Uh, From Colts camp, Um, I think we got to do the mayo and the coffee. Is that if he is starting those games or no matter what, Mark? Because I guess he doesn't look like he's going to be the starter. Levis in Tennessee, that is.
5: Yeah, I think it's if he's the starter. He ain't going to start. No, I don't think so either. He didn't look great like against the Bears either. Uh,
6: We know who will be the starter here, and that was announced yesterday. Anthony Richardson will be the starting quarterback for twenty twenty three. I mentioned the baseball thing a little bit earlier, Jake. Uh, You've tried the single and the doubles hitter. It's time to try the home run hitter. I go back to kind of how the quarterback position has changed a bit in the NFL. I think it's changed from game manager to you need a creator. You need a playmaker at that position. And I think Shane Steichen is uber confident in himself as a play caller, as a whatever an offensive uh, mind, if you will. Like, I can scheme up dink and dunk. I can scheme up gains of whatever, three to five when we need it. But what I need help in trying to scheme up is the big plays and just kind of that innate ability that, yeah, we can draw it up on a whiteboard, but when things break down, can you create? And that's where the Adam Dunn, you know, Anthony Richardson analogy comes from of, will the home runs, will the triples, will those outweigh the mistakes that you know are going to be there. You know, Richardson in no way, shape, or form does he need to be Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers 70% passer. That is probably ludicrous to expect and probably not realistic. But can he get to like 60 62% knowing he's going to sprinkle in the ball to Alec Pierce you saw on Saturday more often than not? And obviously you hope that Pierce makes
4: that catch. Who would you say, Kevin, is the most, when you think about it, Give me a quarterback that you think of as the face of pinpoint, accurate, high-completion percentage professional quarterback. Probably Breeze. What would you guess Drew Breeze's college completion percentage was? Ooh, college? Ooh,
6: I don't know. I guess NFL in, in the 7D range. I mean... I'd assume pretty similar at Purdue. I don't know, maybe a little bit less.
4: 61. Mm-hmm. Was it that low? Yep. 44% as a freshman, but, I mean, you're only talking about...
6: Jeez, 44%? You're didn't talking did did well,
4: about 43 attempts, yeah. But he also, the the big difference being 37 starts, right? As opposed to thirteen, Patrick yeah. Mahomes is the one that comes to mind for me. But
6: see, Mahomes, Mark, he falls into the big playability. Yeah, like you, you can have the completion percentage that's not very high if you're going to create some of those big plays to offset that. And what was that,
4: Mahomes' percentage in college? Uh, sixty-three
5: and a half. Okay.
6: Again, that is a perfectly acceptable number when you toss in the Mahomes magic. Uh, so, can Richardson get to that 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 range? What was Breeze's NFL? Was it was it around 70? I mean,
4: it was laser. I don't have it in front of me. Do you have it in front of me? Remember you the know?
6: game against the Colts on Monday Night Football when he literally had one incompletion the whole game? Yeah. I mean, he, that he was just... fun,
4: right? That was a good
6: game to watch.
5: <laughs> Everybody enjoyed that one.
6: NFL record. Didn't he Wasn't complete... it
5: like 63-9 to nine or something like that? Well, that, was like his first first that was another Monday Yeah,
6: that was a different Monday Night game. 67.7 for his career. Boy, look at how he ended his career. You talk about a single hitter to end his career. Seventy percent, 72%, 74%, 74 seventy-two, seventy-four, seventy-four, seventy point five. So you know, then you know he's probably getting to the point of his career where he's like, oh boy, I I know I can't pepper it downfield as much as, and not that he was some huge downfield thrower at all, but your game changes as you, as you get up there in age. But it goes back to the second comment. It, it's it's playmaking. It's the big playability. Um, it's hard to sustain twelve play eighty yard drives in this league. Defenses are too good, and they're going to take away those things, you've got to sprinkle in the big plays. And obviously, you're going to run a risk when you do that, but that's part of the give and take, and I think it's time the Colts gave that a try at quarterback, and that's why, a big reason why, they drafted Richardson and they're going with him.
4: I thought of this earlier, Kevin. Hear me out on this. Um, College quarterbacks that have had great success... That have gone to the NFL and and been, you know, can't miss products. Trevor Lawrence comes to mind. We've talked about him a lot. Um, Or I've used him as an example in this lot. Joe Burrow comes to mind. Even though Joe Burrow, obviously, you just had, he is one that did not have a lot of starts in college, quite frankly. But at LSU, he, I mean, you know, he had the most prolific season in college football history, probably. But Joe Burrow also was throwing to guys that, you know, were light years ahead of everybody else on the field when he was putting the ball in the air. I think that that guys that come out of big time programs that, that put up prolific college numbers, oftentimes they are doing so by throwing two receivers that have great separation. And as a result, there's a longer amount of time to get the ball there or to to forecast where the ball is going, or to make that decision. And that is a challenge for those quarterbacks when they get to the NFL. Trevor Lawrence is a good example. I think we saw in the last probably five to eight games of last year, which at that point you're you're talking about a full season and then 60% the next, before Lawrence was able to kind of finally slow things down and, and figure that out. And we'll see if that permanently stuck this year. But is it possible... If you were an optimist, and I think people know of me, I, you know, I'm always, it's always sunny in Jake's world. Um, is it possible that Anthony Richardson actually has a benefit, Kevin? We hear so much about 13 starts, 13 starts, 13 starts. Is it possible that that for Shane Steichen can be used to his advantage because Anthony Richardson did not become accustomed to the luxuries and the understanding or the feeling that things came easy by being conditioned and overexposed at the college level to those things like a burrow like a trevor lawrence went through and now the acclimation period in the nfl there is less college habit forming there to break down and dissolve away for him
6: yeah i think it's a good point jake i i don't i think a lot of people look at richardson and say you don't have bad habits you have to unwind like he just doesn't have enough
4: exposure he hasn't had time to to form habits
6: it's and I don't know why this word is popping into my head, um, and I don't know if it really makes sense, but I would say the one question or not is like, he's got virgin eyes, Jake, and seeing what an NFL defense looks like or just seeing what defenses look like outside of one year of starting in the SEC. Whereas, you know, Mark brought up Patrick Mahomes earlier. I'm pretty sure Mahomes had like 30-some starts at oh, Texas yeah. Tech. Mm-hmm. So again, that is a big difference. Than what Richardson has. And again, that's why I'm such a fan of him getting out there early because, you know, you can't just take the driver's ed car or take whatever, your, your 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 parent's car and drive around the school parking lot time and time again. At some point, you have to get on the highway. At some point, you've got to expose yourself to that and see what all of that is like. If you go back and watch that preseason game with Buffalo, of the 12 attempts he had, I'd say, you know, eight to nine of them were, were pretty much first read or second read. You know, are the Bears going to challenge him a little bit more today and tomorrow and getting him to make, you know, more of those progressions? We saw the ball to Kylan Granson. We talked about it with Granson we had him on the show yesterday. I and mean, that is a fastball through the tightest of tight windows. He's got to see what NFL windows look like, what, what NFL open is compared to what college open is. Um, I think I mentioned this um, earlier in the week. There is a documentary, and I need to double-check. Mark, will you look that up? There's a documentary with Richardson and Bryce Young. I forget what the exact title is. Um, But I watched it the other day, and it highlights Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, and I think the kid was committed to Iowa, I believe. Those three quarterbacks in their senior year of high school. Is
5: it QB1? Yeah. they did that with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. When they
6: were, uh, in I feel like there too. was a couple more words after QB1, but okay. yeah, it is something like QB1. Beyond the lights? Yes, thank you. QB1, Beyond the lights. And Jake, Bryce Young went to Modern Day High School in California. I'm willing to guess you've heard of Modern Day High School in yeah, California. Of I mean, it is one of the perennial powers. Jimmy Clausen, right? From a football. I thought he went to like Oaks Creek. Oh, was he but, De La Salle? Or, I, anyway. Um, He went, Bryce Young went to one of the elite, elite schools. Anthony Richardson went to Eastside High School in Gainesville. They show his practice field on, you know, pretty much an every show basis. Jake, there's no glitz and glamour. There's no, we are St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Right. We are, you know, what's the Oak Hill Academy basketball version? There's none of that. Richardson was actually a receiver early on in his high school career and. They played a game, they had an injury at quarterback, and the coach was like, all right, let's move Anthony to quarterback, and boom, they felt like that they found something. Watching his team practice is totally different than watching what Bryce Young came from. And again, Bryce Young was the Elite 11 guy, the five-star quarterback, all of those things. Richardson was ranked high, but he did not go to all of these quarterback camps and Manning passing academies and all of that. So I bring all that up to say, again, He's super raw. And Shane Steichen is using that and saying, "All right, we don't have a lot of these bad habits we have to break. We have to mold, but you're not necessarily unwinding it. He might not be as finished of a product as Bryce Young, and he might not have all the mechanics and fundamentals that you would like, but at the same time, it's a little bit more of a moldable piece of clay that you're working with there. And I think that enticed Shane Steichen to the nth degree. And again, if Shane Steichen wasn't the Colts head coach, I don't think they would have made that pick. I think if it would have been Jeff Saturday or Raheem Morris or Wink Martindale or whoever, I don't think that organization would have felt as comfortable as they did with Steichen.
4: The, the other thing I think that for Richardson getting the keys now and just saying, you know what, we're not even ripping off the Band-Aid. We're not even putting the Band-Aid on. The thing that is advantage to me, advantage Richardson in this situation, and it's going to be, it's going to be, tough but every quarterback and this happens Ellie De La Cruz in baseball Ellie De La Cruz came out of the box with the Reds and it's like holy cow this guy's Willie Mays part duh and Waters found its level a little bit because of the fact that idiotic base running air last night by De La Cruz <laughs> it's, Waters found its level a little bit because you know there's now film on them there's tape on them people, people start to study your tendencies and figure out how to negate things and that then it becomes a chess match. Then you've got to readjust. You've got to come up with another way of doing things. For Richardson, that is also going to happen. As he's playing, he's going to have to eventually start making adjustments to his the way he's approaching things because people are going to respond to, to his tendencies. Yeah. And I would rather that be, if I'm the Colts, that he has has to start making those adjustments like this November than next season or a season after that. Because you get what I'm saying? Like it's going to happen in season this year. And so he is going to learn all of that in one season as opposed to being slowly matriculated in and then take over the reins in like November and get like this false sense of security going into the off season, and then people have the entire offseason to study him and then next year he hits a brick wall. He's going to hit the brick wall this year, but this season still gives him time to start breaking down that brick wall and then have a fresh start next season where you're ahead of schedule.
6: Yeah, I want to try... If I'm the Colts, I want to try and get some answers on, okay, where is the development really, really needed? How ready is he? And where do we need to support him? Do we need more wideout help? Do we need more tight end help? Do we need to pay a running back big-time money? Like... Those are answers I think you want to try and get to, and I guess we continue to use the Mahomes analogy. I almost feel bad because Mahomes is such an absolute freak, but Mahomes had all this college experience. So, and Kansas City also had Alex Smith there. Um, you know th- that is obviously a big difference in Gardner Minshew's presence, and you know Kansas City was making playoff appearances, uh, and the Colts clearly are not doing that. Uh, B. Holiday tweets at us, Jake. Uh, Drew Brees won in completion. Brandon Marshall, the most catches in the game. The Vikings, the biggest comeback in NFL history. These are records that I hate happen to the Colts. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. The Colts have, uh, what, is it second biggest playoff comeback? Is that Colts Chiefs? Or do the Jags... Did the Jags get the biggest playoff comeback? Last year against
4: the Chargers? Or was that still... I I thought the, the Jags surpassed the Colts, didn't they? I think they did. Or did the...
5: Colts will have the Monday Nighter against the Bucks. Colts have that Vikings game last season.
4: By the way, modern day high school, Matt Barkley. I think that's who I was thinking of as yeah, opposed Barkley. to Jimmy Clausen. Uh, Colt Brennan. Sure. Bull Bull. Really? Laron Ellis. I'd like to see a uh, Bull Bull on a football field. We've Danny Espinosa. These are all from the same high school. Khalid Holmes. He's a good player.
6: Uh, former. Khalid Holmes. He was the bust here, wasn't he? The center from USC. What's that? Wasn't he was he in, the center from USC.
4: Yeah, he was a great player at college, though, right? Yeah, certainly not here. I was thinking of, um, yeah, he actually he was way before they drafted him, and then he he was cut immediately, right? Uh,
6: I think they gave who him in a year it or
4: two. Was he the 2013 draft with Gregson? 2014. Who, maybe? who was the big lineman out of Illinois? Hugh Thornton. That's that's who I'm thinking of. Um, Gosh, he was huge. I, and he was one that you know they thought they had big hopes for him and. Whatnot. Mark,
6: Mark let, let's hear from Anthony Richardson. Yesterday, um, this is Richardson on his readiness to be uh, QB one now for the 2023 season.
10: I don't think I'll, I'll ever be, you know, fully ready because there's always stuff I can learn, you know, day by day. I you was know, just getting information from Gardner. He's been in the league for you know, four plus years, so just gathering information from him, getting information from, Co- from Coach Steichen. You know, just is working day by day. So that's right now. I feel like I'm ready, but you know, who's to say if I'm ready or not?
4: You know, one of the he's he was talking about their learning from Gardner Minshew. Kevin, let's give credit where it's due here. One of the real, I guess, home runs of this announcement yesterday that Anthony Richardson is going to be handed over the keys. You got to give a ton of credit to Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew knew what he was getting into when he came here. But then again, Gardner Minshew, when was Minshew signed? He was signed. Probably a month before Richardson was drafted. Yeah, so I mean, he, you know, he didn't know who he was getting. I'm sure he had. I'm sure they said to him, "Listen, we're going to draft a quarterback."
6: Yeah, I mean, his contract but, had a lot of like playing incentives in it. Like, we don't know if we're going to need you for 17 games or not. Um, I remember saying this back when Minchu was signed. He strikes me as a guy that's wired in the exact way you'd want a potential bridge slash backup quarterback to the franchise. And now, listening to him and watching him and hearing other players describe him. Um, I think that's even truer um, a few months into this thing. Mark, do you have that clip from Gardner yesterday? This was Gardner Minshew upon hearing the news of Anthony Richardson being the starter. I guess losing the job, if you will.
5: Yeah, I mean, I just try to come out and, you know, do the best I can, lead the group, whatever I'm with. Um, you know, super excited for Anthony and the opportunity that he has. Uh, you know, this is his franchise. You know, that's the reason they picked him where he is. And, uh, man, he's, he's going to be really special. So I'm excited to work, continue to get better, and figure out how to win some games around here.
6: Hey Jake, there was another clip. This is his franchise, I thought it was a quote that's like, yeah, he obviously clearly gets it here. There was a quote he had later in the press conference that I tweeted out Um And I was shocked about how much that the tweet actually blew up. But the the quote read like this, uh, Minshew, uh, I totally understand and I'm all in with what we got going. I can't stress enough. I'm really excited about Anthony. I think he's going to be really special. I think he's got a great opportunity here. I think there's a lot of genuine nature to that Minshew answer. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would say, what else is he going to say in that moment? You know, Minshew and Richardson worked out together. Before coming here, they both have the same quarterback coach in that Florida area. But I think guys like Quentin Nelson, guys like Minshew, you know, other guys in that offense, um, the off-the-field stuff with Richardson. The combine spoke for itself, but the off-the-field stuff of his work ethic and how he's wired, I think, has impressed that group. And it's a reason why now, you know, he's been named the starter and gets a month to lead the starting unit here before
4: the beginning of the season. Can, will we see at any point this year? At any point this season, will we see someone in the crowd at the Colts game wearing a Gardner Minshew jersey? Oh, sure. You think so? Yeah. I would love to see somebody wearing one. How about a
6: Washington I, State Minshew
4: jersey? Like, I would love to see people rally around Gardner Minshew, though, because that's a pro's pro. And I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic. Like, I love it. Yeah, I love honestly, it. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing him you know, be the backup for a couple of years. I, totally. 100% agree. I mean, if you look early in Peyton Manning's career, the backup was always a veteran. It wasn't always – you know, people want to talk about – the backup for Peyton Manning, you, you know, was was always, like, you know, a younger guy that, like, we joke, like, hardly ever played. But the reality is, early in his career, it was Mark Rippon, it was Don Strzok, it was, I mean, they had veteran quarterbacks to help him along.
6: Well, how right? I mean, luck had Drew Stanton and Hasselbeck, you know, too. Right. Especially Hasselbeck, a really veteran guy. All right, Stephen Holder going to join us in five. Let's do a quick morning check
2: down. The morning check down. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Jake, you want to give us
6: one of your speedy baseball updates? Basically, the Marlins lost and so did every other Midwest uh, team. Cardinals won
4: yesterday and the White Sox beat the Cubs. Other than that, basically every team of note around here yesterday was defeated. But the Indianapolis Indians did get a win yesterday. Their third straight, they beat St. Paul yesterday.
6: And again, the Marlins losing. That is important to the Reds and the Cubs as they try to fight for that final Wildcard spot. All right, coming up in the next hour, we've got a lot of guests. Steven Holder on the other side. Courtney Cronin covers the Bears for ESPN at nine. And Solomon Wilcotts. He caught up with Chris Ballard and Anthony Richardson yesterday for Sirius XM. We'll chat with him coming up at 930. It is a gorgeous Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari on 935-1075 5, The FAN.
8: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment.
6: Steven Holder gonna join us here in a few. Again, six o'clock tonight. is gonna to be out there. You will have the first of two joint practices with the Bears. And if you're looking for something to do, whether you are going to the game Saturday night with the Bears, the only home preseason game, or just looking for get downtown on a Saturday evening, uh, seven or four to seven, excuse me, four to seven on Georgia Street. Uh, you've got the georgia street tailgate music kicks off with a live dj at the jack daniels tailgate stage when gates open free entry all ages are welcome so is the jack
4: is daniels one. stage stage number seven I think so. uh that was good i mean i'm strictly curious by the way i, I just, this just dawned on me how long we've we been doing this show mark uh would we'll be would have been 2 years in November. Okay, so so I just now had this epiphany. This just now dawned on me. And, and I'm I'm ready the, the both of you have like paper towels nearby cuz your minds about to be blown. Um 8:30 on a Wednesday is exactly the halfway point of our work week. mm mm-hmm. Mhm we just reached the halfway point of our work we're now it's 8 31 we're now on the second half of the work week here first you friends. want me get beers out of the fridge what do you want me to do
6: here? Stephen holder from espn.com with us here on the payless liquors
4: it, it means it means when it comes to this sort of chemistry you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, although you're going to have that obviously to continue but we're, we're again
6: Stephen that, holder right? espn.com is with us here Steven, I actually wanted...
10: Wait, 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 wait. I need a minute. I need a minute. My mind is so blown. I, I need right. a minute. Yeah,
6: I know. Yeah, <laughs> calm. Did you sit down on the couch? Do you have paper towels? I didn't follow the whole paper towels Steven,
10: do you,
4: around there. Do you ever actually think to yourself, and I'm sure this has happened, when you're driving around around town, do you ever think to yourself, you know, every once in a while, I've got to thank myself that I have access to that sort of brain and that sort of thought process. <laughs>
10: Do you ever think that? Well, it, it's definitely a unique opportunity. that is, that is, that is I am definitely fortunate, yes. Yeah,
6: I've this sat next to Steven now for 13 days at Grand Park. He's never uttered that to me at all in referencing you.
4: Some things don't even need to be uttered. They're so obvious.
6: Steven, appreciate, appreciate the time on this Wednesday morning. I actually wanted to begin with playing a little bit of Chris Ballard audio for you that you can mm-hmm. react to because I feel like Ballard's tone has changed a bit in referencing Jonathan Taylor and the first clip that we'll play is from Report Day when he was asked about Jonathan Taylor and then the second clip is from his appearance on Sirius XM yesterday so Mark if you don't mind I'll uh, play this for Steven this is the first clip from Chris Ballard on Report Day in regards to Jonathan Taylor
9: yeah we're not going to get into I mean you know me on the contracts we're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys so we'll move forward as we I mean look We've been, I mean, our history's really good. You know, but saying that, we're coming off a four-win season. We have a new coaching staff. So, we'll kind of let it play out as it does um, and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions. And
6: that was three weeks ago on Report Day, and then
7: Steven, here was Ballard yesterday. Having a Jonathan Taylor in that same backfield with Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. because you know that's, that's what excites the fan base.
9: Yeah, no, and look, look, we... I think the world of, of Jonathan. Um, he's been a great Colt, been a great player for the Colt. You know, unfortunately, last year he he you know he, he got hurt early in the season, was dinged all year, fought through it till he finally got to a point where he had to, you know, have the surgery. And now now he's finishing his rehab process. And so hopefully, hopefully as we move forward here we'll get him back, but we need to get him 100% healthy before we do anything.
6: Steven, what do you make of so much more of an injury focused response from Ballard versus the, granted, it was report day. By all accounts, Taylor hadn't done his physical yet versus the four win, we have a new offensive staff, we need to evaluate everyone sort of response a few weeks back?
10: Yeah. It's interesting. It, it, it's hard to make heads or tails of it. I, I guess my first thought would be right now they the injury has <clears throat> has been at least it appears that that has become more of an issue in this this conversation. Uh, I don't know enough of the particulars, none of us do, and that's part of the problem with assessing all of this. And and I really feel like we can only get that from Jonathan. That's part of the problem here. But be it as it may, I don't think he's going to come out today and, and tell all. So we have to continue just based on what we know. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think from the Colts' perspective, their thought is, okay, look, if you're not healthy, then you need to get healthy. And then we'll figure out the rest. But that's also an interesting part of this is before we do anything, well, what? They, they weren't going to do anything, I thought. You know, so what what does that entail? Because, frankly, that suggests and maybe I'm psychoanalyzing here, but it almost suggests that, OK, well, we have to figure something out as opposed to just conducting themselves like, hey, Jonathan Taylor's under the contract. He's on the team. There's nothing to see here because that was kind of the approach before. And so when I say, look, they haven't you know, dismiss the idea of a trade, I- I'm telling you, I-, I think it has to at least be on the table. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be here, you can't figure out what to do with him, then you have to at least consider it. I don't know if the offer is going to be there. All I'm saying is everything has to be on the table at this point.
4: Stephen, my thing is this, and I know that we're probably repeating you know, an old hit here, but Uh, My assessment would be, and I want you to tell me if this is, by your understanding, an accurate assessment, but my assessment would be that it certainly, in the beginning, and by that I mean a couple of weeks ago, Jim Merce was very adamant that Jonathan Taylor was not a tradable piece, but Chris Ballard, if you put truth serum in in him, probably is thinking to himself, it's in my best interest to possibly trade Jonathan Taylor. And ultimately, the owner's going to win that argument seven days a week, but... I guess the question is: A, is that an accurate assessment? And B, do you think Jim Irsay has hedged it all?
10: So, to your first question, I think that's. I think there's some merit to the way you describe that, and and I see Jim Irsay as oftentimes, you know, more. Eh, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but but maybe more emotionally driven in these situations. Chris Ballard, while he can be very emotional you know when and, and can get worked up and you know when there's these sort of situations he also is much more pragmatic and he's going to be a guy who you know who thinks with his head and not his heart for the most part so so i think that's true i do think that's true i mean he's got to find a solution ultimately and and sometimes the solution is not what you want and i don't know i mean I look at the the Nick Martin situation in, in Dallas i don't think they're exactly the same but they found a They found a compromise there, you know? And did anybody feel like they truly got what they wanted? No, (laughs) because Nick Martin wanted a lot more money. and The Cowboys were taking a stance like, buddy, you got two years left, and we ain't paying you. And guess what? They did pay him something. It wasn't a ton of money, but they did give him something, and Nick Martin can now save face, and he's going to be in camp, and and they're going to have – one of the most important pieces in front of their quarterback now. I mean, that was just not, that's not a negotiable thing for the Cowboys, right? Like you're going to play without Nick Martin, like how, you know? So I just think that that's where I see things to some extent with the Colts. It's like, all right, you can say, you're not going to trade him. You can say, we're not going to negotiate. You can say all these things, but the reality is still sitting there and staring you in the face. You have not dealt with this situation and it has to be dealt with. I'm not. Su- I'm not suggesting that, that Jonathan Taylor doesn't have to, to to be reasonable here too. He does. But the this whole idea that I keep hearing, you know, Jonathan Taylor has no leverage. He's Jonathan Taylor. That is his leverage.
6: Yeah, I, I've said this about the whole trade situation. I don't think the Colts are in a position to you know, have some strong stance and, and be like, no, there's no chance we're going to trade him. If you have come up with the idea of as the organization that you are not going to extend him, you do everything in your power to try and trade him, to get some return yeah. on him. The last thing yeah. you want is for him to be, A, you slap the franchise tag on him, and now you're paying him even more money deeper into the Anthony Richardson contract, and he's upset. Or, obviously, he walks in free agency, for nothing Um, on that end and I guess you get a compensatory pick but that wouldn't be for a couple years down the road on that end Stephen do you make anything of the Zeke Elliott Dalvin Cook signings this week in relation to Taylor I probably point a little bit more to the Josh Jacobs domino because they're on a similar age scale or I guess age frame than Taylor, but Dalvin Cook, first off, he's got a shoulder issue and he's still not practicing, and he's got a domestic violence thing that is yet to be cleared up. So, it's not like this is some squeaky clean off-the-field thing either. Obviously, Taylor doesn't have the domestic violence thing, but he's got the injury. So, either of those dominoes now impact Taylor in potential negotiations.
10: Uh, the, The one possible impact, first of all, good point on Dalvin Cook, because I think the the issues hanging over Dalvin Cook kind of got lost in the whole conversation of, oh, running backs aren't worth anything. Yeah, granted, he didn't get a ton of money, and, and he is a bit older than, than Jonathan Taylor. Which yeah, four is years older. older. Yeah, I mean, that's more than a bit older. That, that's actually a lot older. So so I think yeah, they're not apples to apples at all. Him and Jonathan Taylor's situations are not the same other than the injury being uh, a, a, a common characteristic there. But the one... The one place where maybe the John, or excuse me, the, the Dalvin Cook situation has a little impact is because if you were interested in Dalvin Cook, a, a team out there that perhaps was interested in Dalvin Cook, and he ends up electing to go to the Jets, do you then at least open your mind to the idea you know, of of maybe hey, well, let's engage the Colts? I don't know. I look at a team like say, I'm just throwing this out there, but this is a logical. Thought uh, a team like Miami, okay, you know they will take big swings. Okay, we know that uh, they were connected to Dalvin Cook. That was one of the other teams that was in that in that mix. Uh, you know, they're a team. You know, I could see them engaging the Colts. You know, and, and tra- at least trying to find out well, what's that going to take, what's it going to cost, right? I don't know what their long term cap situations like and all that. You know, if they wanted to resign a Jonathan Taylor after trading for him, and we're probably getting way too far ahead of ourselves anyway, but, but I'm just trying to kind of give a sense of, of how it may clear the deck a little bit that Dalvin Cook, that Domino has fallen. So that's where I think it, it might make a difference is an impossible trade situation. Uh, it doesn't, I think, necessarily help or hurt too much in terms of, of, of a contract for for Jonathan Taylor, uh, but, but I think in the trade realm, it might make a difference.
4: Steven, let's... Say for the sake of argument, and I, I don't think this is going to happen, but okay, but we're going to speak in hypotheticals here. When Andrew Luck first came into the NFL, that first year, literally every ball bounced the Colts way. He was a great player. I'm not saying that. Reggie Wayne had a phenomenal season, and on the field, I should say, things just kind of fell the Colts way, and they had this surprisingly, you know, really good year. If that's the case with Anthony Richardson this year, if this guy is able to come out, he's a unicorn, defenses don't know what to think of him, they haven't seen him on tape, and he makes the right decisions and he has this great year, what is the area of the Colts that would hold them back because we have so hyper-focused on quarterback, we haven't been talking about the fact that blank is still a deficiency for them that could hurt them if everything else came together? That area is what?
10: So, I'll pick two. I think the secondary concerns me, really the cornerbacks. I mean, look, they were already thin when this Isaiah Rogers business happened, and, and they're thinner now. So, I mean, they, they can like the, the potential of the guys that they have, and, and they do like the potential, and, and that's great. But it's, a, it's still just potential. Okay, they're very, very, very young. I mean, th- this, this whole league... Is, is now it's become really a, a, a situation where who can make big plays and who can stop big plays. That's the NFL. That's a big percentage of wins and losses in the NFL today, and your corners are going to be at, at the, the tip of the spear when it comes to that, right? So if you're out there giving up a bunch of big plays, then how much harder are you making it for Anthony Richardson, even if he is playing – in a, a best case scenario, where he he really has a fast start, you know, so I think that's a that's a big problem for them or potential problem, put it that way. The other thing I would say is just, and this is something we have kind of talked about, is the the offensive line depth. I still just don't feel good about it. I I would not be sleeping well at night. Now I think the offensive line, to their credit, and I don't know how much you know you want to put how much stock you want to put in this, but I think it matters a little. I, I thought they were really physical on Saturday in that I'm talking about the starting offensive line I thought it it was pretty physical and I thought there were some good running lanes even though the Colts didn't run for that much which is you know takes us back to the Jonathan Taylor story but anyway I thought the offensive line looked active and powerful and I thought there were a lot of good things to take away from that so maybe they're onto something maybe they're right when they say they think this group can pull it together and and get back to where they used to be we'll see but That has nothing to do with whether they stay healthy. And if they don't, then I think you're back to a situation where, you know, like last year um, or really the last couple of years, they've had some some key injuries on that line. Uh, Two years ago, they had the depth and they were able to withstand that. Now, I don't know if they do.
6: Yeah, again, last year it was actually the O line was so bad, yet the big three stayed healthy when you look at it, They played through stuff, but yeah. Ron Kelly, Quentin Nelson, yeah. and and Braden Smith. I'd throw edge group into that, Steven. I think pass rushing wise, yeah, you fair. know, with your corners so inexperienced, you got to get something out of the Quiddy Pay Sampson Ebucom combination um, this season. Uh, okay, moving on. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com with us here. Let's go back to the news item of the day yesterday, and that is obviously Anthony Richardson being named the starter. I was talking with Jake in our opening opening hour, Steven, I thought, you know, this is the time to kind of commit to him with these big evaluation days coming up, and I guess evaluation maybe throw that out the window, but just big developmental days, seeing the Bears twice, another preseason game, seeing the Eagles next week in a joint practice, then another preseason game. What why do you think Shane Sykin did that? or announced that yesterday when if he wanted to Gardner Minshew was just 6 for 6 and let a touchdown drive in the preseason like he could have kept it you know back and forth for for another week. So why do you think the timing was August 16th or August 15th?
10: Yeah, it's a good question. I I think the timing is very interesting. And I actually like it. And and here's why I think this is what I think his his thinking was. You know, they have they're at a point now where it's really in your best interests to really commit and to really get him prepared. Now, if this were two veteran quarterbacks who are battling, I think it would be different, and maybe you let the thing, you know, sort of linger a little longer and make sure that you you know for certain. But in this situation, two things: number one, you know, the long term implications here matter, and the long term, the the long term vision is that. Anthony Richardson's going to be your guy anyway. The, the only question now is, can he handle the ups and downs of the position right now? I don't think there's any question about that. Like, his makeup is one of the best things about him. I have no idea how he's going to play. We cannot tell you that. But I can tell you, he's going to be fine when it comes to, to handling the, the ups and downs that are inevitable at that position. I have no concerns about that part. When it comes to Anthony Richardson, he is mature way beyond his years. Uh, he is going to be fine, and he has, he has the respect of that team already at 21 years old. I mean, I think we all can see that. So that is not going to be an issue. So there's no real impediment there if you're Shane Steichen in, in, in that respect. The other thing is, as I kind of alluded to, look, I mean, he needs all the preparation he can get. And so you can't waste these opportunities. You just call them developmental opportunities. That's, that's what they are. I don't think you can afford to waste them. And so every rep that Gardner Minshew gets is is one less rep, but the first team that that Anthony Richardson won't get. And so those those are just too important. You know, we've seen you saw those these opportunities that he's he's tried to connect with Alec Pierce, for example. And you know, they had a, a play yesterday. You saw the touchdown, perhaps, on social media. They had a a touchdown in the red zone, uh, Anthony Richardson to Alec Pierce. Now, a couple plays before that, they totally had a disconnect on a a corner route that just was kind of a mess, right? And so those are the things that you've got to work out, and that's why he's got to be in there, and you've got to keep working. And I think this is where Shane Steichen's head is.
6: And coming up tonight, 6 o'clock, it will be the first joint practice with the Chicago Bears. Again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. I encourage people to check out one of Stephen's latest pieces. It's kind of just a little bit of inside the, uh, the background on Anthony Richardson, Stephen.
10: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's, you know, somebody in the Colts organization brought this to my attention recently, and it made me think. And what I was told is, like, you know, this guy didn't grow up on the quarterback circuit. And and if you don't know what I mean by that, it, you know, this, you see these, you know, these, these young quarterbacks today, they're at all these camps and they're, they're going to, they've got these private quarterback coaches at like 15 years old. I mean, it's like, when did it's this, not earlier. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Anthony Richardson had none of that. He, he said, you know, he, I didn't even know about these camps. I didn't have any private coaching. I didn't do any of that. He he also didn't play in sort of a, a sophisticated offense in high school. So, really, he's got 13 starts. Well, 14 now, I guess, if you count the preseason game. After high school, he's got 14 total starts. And he just needs to see more stuff and play and experience more situations. And, and so because he really hasn't had all that previous development perhaps the the Colts feel like he's going to be he's going to be so immersed in the development now that maybe you know the growth can come pretty quickly so he's he's gotten here without the benefit of all of that is what i'm saying and i and i make the contrast to for example Bryce Young and this is not a knock on Bryce Young this is actually to his credit Bryce Young was was the opposite he was at all these camps he was all over the place had private coaching all of that and and got I think his first offer when he was like in eighth grade or going into ninth grade at Texas Tech from Cliff Kingsbury. So <laughs> no one knew who Anthony Richardson was when he was that age.
4: No, not at all, not at all. It's a far, far different. You know, this was a perfect way to start the second half of our work week,
10: right?
6: Stephen, thank you for the time. We'll uh, we'll see you tonight at Grand Park.
10: All right, mine's still blown. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, see, certainly. that's what I do.
4: That's what I do. Is 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 when you get done with the with the experience of talking to me, you think to yourself, I never thought of that.
6: Courtney Cronin covers the Bears nice. for ESPN.com in about mm-hmm. ten minutes. Solomon Wilcott's coming up at nine thirty, um, and then Isn't we'll do a Pop Quiz um, to close it out. Is she related to the basketball coach? I uh, don't think her and Mick. Are related. Can I ask? um, You can throw that question at her. Mark, should we give away the Jim Mercier collection tickets? Sure, let's do that. Those are floor seats, correct? Pair of floor seats, yeah. All right, let's go with number five as he is the starting quarterback. That is caller number five, 317-239-1070. Chris Angel, John Mellencamp, the Jim Mercier collection coming up in a couple of Fridays. We'll give away a pair of tickets to that here during the break. 317-239-1070, caller number five.
2: Previously on Kevin Inquiry.
6: Did you happen to see... Edrin James's son's name, who is, well, I think, getting a lot of looks to play college basketball. His first name starts with the same letter of his last name. You guys care to give any guesses as to what? Edge's son, a four-star point guard. Is it a legitimate first name, or is this a nickname? I didn't see the birth certificate. I'd be curious to know that.
4: How many letters? It's one more than Wordle. We'll go with six letters. Jungle.
6: Jungle. Mark, you got any guesses? Jeez, I, I don't know. No
5: idea. Jizzle
9: James.
2: (laughs)
5: don't shorten
11: that
4: name then what jizzle james boy oh boy there are a lot of ways i can take that and i'm just i've decided as as part of my maturation i'm just gonna lay out
0: excuse me while i whip this out
6: (laughs) j-i-z and then we'll throw another z in there z-l-e i'm not gonna get in
4: trouble for looking this up am i that, I mean, that's. I would be worried as to what pages that might. That sounds
6: Are you like thinking a name about nil deals for Jizzle.
4: Uh, okay, I could think of it.
6: Never mind. So yes, Jizzle will be coming to a college what? campus. Come on, that was intentional. What? I just said we're struggling with names, and I don't think that will make our name list. I don't think Jizzle alone has a
4: great a great ring okay. to it. I'm I'm glad you didn't throw in like Ole Miss with the rest of the the line there. But maybe part of South Carolina. No.
11: My name is,
6: my name is... Spoiler, we didn't go with Jizzle Bowen. Max has a little different ring to it than Jizzle. Jizzle James, where right? Where did he end up playing? Is it Cincinnati? For some reason, I think I was where he ended up. Hey, Courtney. Going. Uh, Courtney Cronin on ESPN.com going to join us here in just a second. Um, I guess we failed to mention this on the Jonathan Taylor front, and Wes was texting me about how confusing this situation is. Jake, we said during the show yesterday. At that point, Jonathan Taylor had yet to show up to practice. He never did. Um, It just seems a bit fishy and odd to me that Jonathan Taylor is the only Colts injured player that is supposedly at Grand Park that was not at practice.
4: Yeah, I mean, I especially considering. I mean, wasn't it like this story continues to kind of insinuated he was going to be back, and it's like I'm not sure, you know. I mean, he was
6: here, but not at practice. and uh, Yeah, very, very odd uh, to me. All right, let's head to the Palace Slickers hotline. You see her all over ESPN. Um, She's doing an outstanding job in her variety of roles with the network. She's also a graduate of Indiana University. She is Courtney Cronin, and I believe she's going to call Westfield, Indiana home for the next couple of days. Courtney, always great to hear from you. Good morning. Good
11: morning, guys. How are you?
6: We are doing well. Um, I asked Mark Dykton, who's a diehard Bears fan, our producer, this question uh, earlier in the show, so I'll ask it to you. Where are the Bears good and where are they bad, a.k.a. like, <laughs> what should Colts fans be looking for here in the next couple days?
11: Well, I think what you saw from the preseason game, and yes, I know Justin Fields, 3-for-3, 129-yard stat line, is, it's pretty deceiving because two of those passes came from behind the line of scrimmage. But you're seeing the quarterback get the ball out faster. You're seeing the short game, the screens, the slants, the quick outs, all of those things that just didn't exist in the Bears' offense or exist to a point where it was functional last year. That's where they're making their hay in training camp. And it doesn't look pretty every day. We've had a lot of days where the two-minute drill is – you know a lot of situations that don't work out for the offense and they end up leaving the field having not scored and having to go back to the drawing board to figure out what they did wrong but offensively watching the strides this team has made it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to go from where we were 365 days ago with a receiving core that was just you know a mishmash conglomerate of guys that didn't really have defined roles to what Justin Fields now has surrounding him so that's certainly a strength of this team. And, you know, defensively, the eight sacks that they had in the preseason game, I know a lot of those were against backups, but they're rushing the passer better than they were a year ago. I mean, seriously, this team was a 3-14 and team by design last year. Nobody will say that they actually were, like, competitive in games because they weren't supposed to be. They were trying to get the number one overall pick. They did. And all the moves they've made this offseason have helped them get better in a number of areas. But I still think, you know, some of the injuries that they have right now at the linebacker position, not having Tremaine Edmonds out there, and seeing how this secondary is coming together, there's a battle over at the cornerback, uh, the CB2 spot, I just wrote about it at ESPN.com, I think they're still growing. I mean, there's no area that stands out right now, unlike last year, where you're like, wow, that's really terrible, they're going to have a lot of problems with their pass rush, with this, with that, and they've... They've made some active moves. They've been active in free agency and certainly the last couple weeks even going out to get Yannick Ngakwe. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely holes still on this roster, but it's come a long way from where this team was at this point last
4: year. Courtney, I think that Chicago offers perhaps kind of a look into a crystal ball for Indianapolis, and by that I mean this. For Colts fans, we now know Anthony Richardson. You know, they've handed the keys over to him. Justin Fields, I think, is a similar style of player, similar size player. Justin Fields, obviously, was more decorated in terms of experience coming out of college. But if you could give a preview for Colts fans, Justin Fields now entering year three. At what point did you see on field where it was very clear that things were starting to come together for him and where you started to feel the confidence that, yes, in fact, this was going to be the guy or is Chicago still navigating that with him?
11: It's twofold. The first part of the of the first answer to your question is week 7 against the Patriots last year. That was the Monday night game after they had that disastrous I think it was 12 to 6, 12 to 7 loss to the Washington Commanders on Thursday night football. And I remember writing a story at that time about well, what can they do to get him out of this rut because it was the play calling, it was play design, it was certainly a lack of talent around the quarterback. And it felt like Justin Fields never really had a chance early on. They started tapping into his best asset, which was his legs. And you started seeing more design runs, especially in the red zone. And you started seeing the way that they were changing up what you know, their pass protection, some of the protections that he was calling. And when they were playing, he had to play last year with one hand tied behind his back. That's exactly what he was set up to do. And I think he did remarkably well of that second all-time for a quarterback in terms of rushing yards in the season. Like The passing game wasn't there, but it wasn't supposed to be because they just didn't have viable talent out there to help him grow as a passer. And the pass protection was leaky, too. So I think that you, can, you saw moments where, hey, if they add this, this element of the game will be better and easier for Justin Fields. If they can fix this, a lot more things will come together. That's probably what the Colts are going to end up having to do this year with Anthony Richardson, knowing that, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you guys call it a rebuild or what you call it, but when you're in position to draft a quarterback, and especially a rookie with such a high ceiling, but somebody who lacks the experience like Anthony Richardson, there's going to be lumps that come with that. I mean, I was a little surprised to see Shane Steichen announce him as a starter yesterday. I really thought they were going to let this thing go on, but it also makes sense. To stop the quarterback competition where it is, so you can then tailor the offense to Anthony Richardson, and expect that there will be those rookie lumps that he's going to probably have to take quite a few of, but you can at least start the growing process there. And I you think could that's also the Bears did last year.
4: Yeah, I agree with that. In addition to that, as, as I was saying, and I think I wanted you to kind of shed light on whether or not you saw this with Justin Fields, and that is that. Defenses eventually learn to adjust. I mean, they see quarterback on film, they come out with new looks. Quarterback then has to go through kind of a reinvention again. And so you might as well start that as early as possible, right? And I would imagine that Fields, you know, some 20 plus games now in, it, as you just talked about, they had to kind of reinvent some things, right?
11: Yeah, they did. And You know, going back to his rookie year, I mean, again, there's a reason there's a completely different front office and coaching staff because they didn't handle that well with him as a rookie. I understand that they had this pseudo quarterback competition and it made no sense. I think that the Colts have been approaching it the right way where you, you drafted this guy fourth overall, because you expect him to be your franchise quarterback one day. You're going to give him every opportunity to do that. And like what they did with field last year, I mean, they had a lot of undoing that they had to do before they could get him ready to play. They had to change his footwork. They had to change his throwing mechanics. They had to, you know, this offense is predicated on rhythm and timing. There was a lot of learning that he had to overcome first in order to master this offense on a very surface level. And now what you're seeing in year two is he can go deeper in the playbook. He can go deeper in the concepts. They can add more shifts and motions pre-snap to help him become a better quarterback and that's probably the, the route that the Colts are going to have to take with a new head coach, a new play caller for Anthony Richardson, a new quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and seeing what strides they can make in year one to find those signs of growth to show you it's on the right track so at this time next year it looks different.
6: She's Courtney Cronin. You hear, you see her all over ESPN, and I've told her this several times, and she's very gracious with her time to speak to my class each year at IU. Um, She's a huge reason why I thought, you know what? Multi-platform journalism, that's the career path Courtney Cronin has carved out. I think that is what works in today's media climate. So let's create a class about that. So, Courtney, thank you uh, for the time that you give uh, to IU students each spring. And I guess I'll toss this in there for a little Bloomington bit. Uh, The Bears have a bye week. You go back to Bloomington, you've got two bars to stop at, you've got one restaurant to stop at. What are the two bars, and what's the one restaurant?
11: So they have the week, I want to say it's week 13 by again this year, which at that point, Ooh, that's late. You know, you're just crashing and burning into the finish line. It's December, you're exhausted. I'm more of like a week nine by type of girl, so I could get a football game in, but mm-hmm. If it's early season basketball and I'm in Bloomington, I'm obviously going to go to Upstairs. It's it's become my favorite bar, uh, especially since they added that patio outside. I was back there teaching a class in the spring, and it was fantastic. I loved being there in April and getting to sit outside. So I'll go upstairs, probably do Kilroy's, and then restaurant-wise, if I can get into Zagreb, I'm going there. And the trick is you've got to go put your name in early, on, like, a Thursday at like 5, and then you'll get in by 8 o'clock. That's what I've learned in my post grad years in Bloomington that I did not know growing up. So I think that um, I think I have a pretty good week, a pretty good bye week if I could accomplish all those things.
6: Bloomington notes via Courtney Carter. I thought you were going to say the vid there.
11: I was never a vid gal. I'm not hipster enough. I mean, I'm not even on the spectrum when it comes to that. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm people are probably like, why aren't you saying Nick's? You're the worst alum ever. I'm sorry. Nick's is not my favorite spot in Bloomington. And it's not like a, that's not a secret. Like, I think I've been pretty vocal about that, but it's still a great establishment. It's just not one that's going to be at the top of my list.
4: It's funny to me because when I went to IU, like, and I realized I went there in a different era than you guys. But when I went to IU, no one went to Nix. Nix is where like the yeah, old alumni went.
11: Same. Yeah, it was an alumni bar when right. I was growing up, and I'm not. I don't like biz fries, and I think six of biz in this post-COVID world is kind of gross. Like, that's just not my thing. And I know that's such a controversial. It's probably like too hot of a take for 9 a.m. Um, on your show so I apologize for that yeah, but the phone lines
6: are lit up right now Courtney that's right
11: <laughs> It's just never been it's never been at the top of my list. I would rather go get an AMF over it upstairs and call it a night.
6: Yeah, exactly. Get a couple aspirin for you in the morning and move on from there. Um, <laughs> Courtney Cronin from ESPN with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Courtney, one thing that I've been curious about the Bears, and I get that this regime did not draft Justin Fields, and maybe this is a problem that they might never encounter, but at some point, if Justin Fields has great success, I would assume their offensive coordinator, their offensive system is going to get a look to be a head coach. Like That's just yeah. kind of how it operates with these young QBs. And that's different than what we see here in Indy because the head coach is the play caller. It's his offense. Shane Steichen, this is his baby. He obviously drafted uh, Anthony Richardson. Is that of concern or is this like too big of a problem to even worry about right now? Because Matt Eberflus is the head coach. Obviously, we know from here in Indy, he's not running the offense. Is that a, a concern down the road at all with Justin Fields and his development?
10: If
11: if it works out, I mean it's the, uh, I guess it's the, the the what it's the consequence for success. Sure, when you have a it's a good problem to have. It is, and I even remember last year. Not that he had any formal interviews, but Luke Getz's name was coming up. You know when they were having success, even though they were losing games. When they went ten straight, it was the New England game. It was a Dallas game, Detroit, Miami, where you saw the quarterback despite a lot of really negative circumstances with the personnel around him, make hay and keep these games competitive, of course the play caller is going to get a lot of credit for that because he's drawing up what the quarterback is set out to do. And at that time, Luke Getz's name was popping up, like, hey, maybe, outside shot looking in, and of course we didn't see anything come to fruition. If they do succeed though, and what is success in Chicago? I mean some people that have come to camp, a lot of national people from the outside who aren't here every day will say, Oh, it could be a wild card team. Those of us who are here every day watching it say seven, eight wins is a great floor for this Bears team to show where you came from three and fourteen to, you know, seven and seven and ten or, or eight and nine that's going to get Luke Getze some notoriety and it's probably going to get him an opportunity as a head coach one day, but how they replace him, what they would end up doing. They're not even there yet. Cause they've got to show that this offense can work now. And that the quarterback that they didn't draft is the right guy. Because if he's not, if he fails this year, if the team fails this year, they've got that extra first round pick that they can utilize to go get a quarterback next year. When we know that the strength of that of next year's draft class is going to be the quarterbacks in the first round. And, Things don't go well, the Bears could very well be in line for one of those, which then would kind of throw everything back a little bit, but potentially not because I think you'd probably still have your play caller at that point.
4: Courtney Cronin, I asked this to Kevin earlier. He did not know the answer. I will go straight to the source. Uh, Are or are not related to Mick Cronin?
11: I'm not. I would love to be able to claim that. And I, I mean, there's him, there's the Portland Trailblazers general manager. I mean, there's so many people with my last name. That I have no relation to. It's honestly wild. I feel like it's become a more popular Midwest name that somehow was like traveled across the country. Um, I only thought it was a Chicago thing growing up, but apparently it's everywhere. So, it is no, of what? I can't I cannot claim uh, roots to him.
4: Okay, dumb question. It's of what origin?
11: Irish. Okay. Irish Catholic last I name. Probably, for I
4: most probably should have known least that, I guess, but
6: <laughs> Courtney, what's your record on around the horn?
11: Ooh, okay, I actually know this. Um, I know I have 22 wins. I think I've been on just under 70 times. So if you do that win percentage, that's that's just under, I think, around 30%. So I take it seriously. I know some people go on there and are just like, you know, Whatever, it's a fake game show, like it doesn't matter. I'm like, no, I want to win. Every yeah. single time I'm on there, I want to win. I'm really competitive when it comes to that. I
6: was going to say, you've always struck me as a very competitive human being. Again, Courtney <laughs> Cronin, who covers the Bears, you hear you see her all over ESPN. The Bloomington checklist looks like uh, upstairs patio, uh, at Kilroy stop, throwing an AMF, and again, uh, Zagreb, get there at 5.30 to get the 8 o'clock reservation. Uh, on a thursday courtney i'll see you later today thanks for the time this morning and i uh, hope uh, westfield treats you well
11: yeah sounds great thanks guys appreciate it that's
4: courtney cronin right now, there on the payless. less mark top. was like shaking his head at me uh, and i listen i have you know i'm a humble guy right oh so no one more humble than jake query well it's i mean it, i've always said i mean stating you're humble is always a good way well to not illuminating sure my clear. greatness shows my humility but my question mark like cronin is that i guess in hindsight is that like obvious you were shaking your head like how do you not know that well i just with your your perspective on things like that
5: i, I would assume that that would kind kind of come naturally you know that certainly mick cronin sounds irish but I I, it was, I I thought it'd be an excuse to do your irish accent I
6: thought you'd have jumped at that opportunity. I t- 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 oh, I was going to say.
0: Ah, yes, I should have done. A mm-hmm. uh,
6: two week, or uh, a week from tomorrow. Or a a week, week from tomorrow? Week from Saturday, a week I should say. Week from
0: Saturday, my apologies. You got
6: Notre Dame and Dublin to take on, navy. Oh
0: yes, that's right. Take who are they taking on? I believe they're taking on Navy, correct? It's good. Navy's actually leaving next week to you get you to the game. Just start
5: on Monday with your show. Just start doing impressions.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable.
6: <laughs> phone line. We've made a mistake. I see we're staying on track very well here in this final week of us together. <laughs> we, we made a mistake. Uh huh. Solomon Wilcott's going to join us here in a bit. Again, uh, host for SiriusXM Radio. Today at 10 a.m., by the way, so unless you're locked into Greeny. He and co-host Bruce Gretkowski are hosting the Colts training Camp show. The guests include Shane Sykin, Anthony Richardson, Chris Ballard, Shaquille Leonard, and Julian Blackman. Again, I thought the Ballard comments yesterday with Solomon Wilcott were interesting, so he will... Uh, join us at 10 a.m by the way jake i don't know if you are much of an espn watcher but like courtney cronin is like a star and going to be i think a huge part of their programming moving forward she is always hosting national radio and appears on get up and all those shows quite often
4: yes i mean absolutely made it what's the word i'm looking for found a place for herself there no question
6: and i know i was kind of hyping her up there from a a multi-platform standpoint and this might just be the media nerd in me she was uh, IUS TV so did TV in college and then worked for I think it was the Clarion Ledger down in Mississippi covering preps for high school sports went out to the Bay Area um, did a little bit of coverage there uh, for the Warriors and those you know whatever other teams you are covering out in the Bay Area and then covered the Vikings for ESPN and now Mark she's been what Bears for a couple years now yeah, two, two
5: years now, I think. This is her second or third season, yeah.
6: Yeah, does outstanding work there. Um,
4: what do you think would be the best—
6: Should we hold off on the pop quiz, by the way?
4: Yes. After Wilcox? Yes. Okay. What would be the best NFL team to, to cover? In, in terms of this, If you and I'm factoring simply this, what team would be the best to cover based off of— um, being self being greedy and the places that you get to go in other words like i'm not going by how good your team is but based on the places that within the division you get to travel to and the drama of the fact that there would always be something that's of national interest about your team not uh, not accounting for wins
10: hmm
5: how about this how about denver broncos get to hang out in Denver. You yeah. get to go to Las Vegas.
6: I was going to say the Chargers when they were in San Diego. Boy. Yeah,
5: I, that would have been my you choice. You live in
6: San Diego. Mm-hmm. You get to go to Denver, Kansas City, and I guess Vegas. I guess it would have been Oakland back then. I think that would be pretty good. I would
4: think Arizona. I mean, like, what's Kyler the best? Murray's kind of a drama. You're living in a warm weather climate, but you get to go to Seattle, L.A.
6: What's the best sports time zone for viewing? Is it the central time zone? Oh, I think it's the central so that means you're getting noon Mount, NFL, getting noon
5: three thirty and like seven thirty.
6: But NBA games and college games starting at six H- is that a little thing. too early for you?
5: Some uh, do that, but for the most part, it's. I mean, I guess you avoid at, like
6: Purdue at Minnesota and IU at Iowa starting. Yeah, at but 9, basketball 10. games
5: it's usually seven p.m. When I was still. a kid
4: growing up, I always thought that people on the West Coast were like super snooty and stuck up because they didn't care about anything but the West Coast. And then when you go out there, like when I go out for IndyCar events on the West Coast, you realize it's not that you don't care. It's it's the fact that by the time you get back to your hotel room or whatever and it's 7 o'clock, everything's done. I mean, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, if you work in L.A. It's too early. If you work in L.A. and you get off work at 5... It takes 45 minutes to get home. It's 5.45, and you sit down, you get a bite to eat or whatever, and now it's 7.30. You literally are turning on the television as the... Jimmy Kimmel's on. Correct. I mean, you, honestly. like You would oversleep the entire NFL slate. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, like on a Sunday. Now, my buddy that... the so 9 a.m., right? Or my buddy that's a, a sports director in Honolulu mm-hmm. said it's the greatest job ever because... Literally, he wakes up at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon and every day's events that they're talking about on the mainland's already done. There's no like last-minute cramming or anything. So you're it's just recapping everything? Yeah, it's just a recap.
6: Uh, we'll do that coming up with Solomon Wilcox. Again, NFL Sirius XM here in a few. We will postpone the pop quiz to close out today's show. Uh,
2: let's do a morning check. The morning check.
7: Omaha! 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 Omaha!
2: On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
6: All right, we said it there with Courtney Cronin. Tonight at 6 o'clock, the joint practice number one for the Indianapolis Colts. The big news item from yesterday, though, Mark, and if you want to cue up an Anthony Richardson clip, um, he will be the starter for the Colts. In 2023, Shane Steichen made that news official to Richardson and Gardner Minshew on Monday and then announced it. Uh, to the public yesterday after their final Colts versus Colts practice of camp. That means Richardson will get the starting reps in this kind of critical period of August. The next five times the Colts are on the practice field or game field, it will be against an opponent. Three joint practices in the next two weeks. And then coming up Saturday with the Bears and next Thursday, Preseason finale with the Eagles. Here was Anthony Richardson yesterday on the news of being named the starter.
10: Uh, honestly, I was shocked. You know, uh, I've been grinding, and putting in work just to you know get the title. But you know, it's not really all about a title. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm ready for the team. You know, despite you know being labeled as QB1, you know, I still got other guys in the room helping me. You know, get to that standard. So I'm forever thankful for them. You know, I appreciate them, and I'm glad. You know, I did get the nod, and you know, I do have the the trust in, the, in, the, in everybody in the building
3: to. think guy on QB1.
6: Jake, I followed up with him and said, Anthony, you said you were shocked. Can you explain a little bit more? And he said the shocking aspect was just hearing the words out loud. Not necessarily the
4: timing right. or the actual Not the decision, news, but right. it was the absorption
6: of it. Again, for a guy that five years ago or less than that wasn't even his high school quarterback, for him to hear that he is the starting quarterback of an NFL team and hear that publicly, um, that obviously
4: had quite the impact it's on
5: It's like him. a dream coming true. You're sure. hearing, yeah, I probably dream of hearing that, and then you hear it and you're
4: like, wow, this is reality. This is mm-hmm. actually happening. Kenny's just 21 years old. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, really the easiest way to say it. St. Louis Cardinals won, and then other teams of the Midwest that you would care about all lost yesterday. Although, the White Sox beat the Cubs, so I guess if you're a White Sox fan, that would count. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis, any of you should be thrilled. A lot to root for this year for the White Sox. I, I'm going to be at the White Sox game uh, Wednesday, a week from today. Good food there. Just so you there. Know. It, it is fun. It's fun. It's like two and a half hour drive up. Yeah. We, we go every summer. One businessman special game. That's what we're doing a week from today. Um,
6: they might have you come out of the stands and play for them. That's where their season <laughs> is right now.
4: Indianapolis Indians, three-game win streak. They won last night over St. Paul.
6: On the other side, Solomon Wilcox. He joins us next. He was at Colts camp yesterday. We'll talk with him.
8: All right. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment.
6: Former NFL defensive back Solomon Wilcox, he's going to join a series host for Sirius XM NFL Radio, and in, what, just about a half hour, you're going to hear him, Bruce Kurkowski, as they host the Colts training camp show. Their guests will include Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, Chris Ballard, Shaq Leonard, and Julian Blackman, and Jake, I think they were in the tent right next to us
4: yesterday, right? He, like I, an English literature major in college, by the way. And yes, uh, got a chance. I'm going to guess his grades slightly better than the Jake Quarry transcript. <laughs> That's probably accurate. Uh, he joins us now on the Payless Suggars Hotline, and Solomon. I guess first, you know, obviously, thanks for joining us. And Kevin had mentioned you were out there yesterday. Give me your overall impressions. Just and maybe it was too early to tell through one session, but your overall assessments and impressions of certainly Anthony Richardson and the Colts.
7: Oh, well, thanks, Kevin and Jake. Look, um uh, it's a team that, as you well know, with the Jonathan Taylor sort of saga, it still lingers. But to be able to come out and name, you know, Anthony Richardson as their starting quarterback moving forward, you could say that, um, the, uh, the era has begun. And I think that is something that has breathed new life into the building, into the ownership, the general manager, the head. Coach Shane Steichen came to really, um, I think, just breathe new life into this team. And you can't get that done unless you have a new quarterback. Over the last few years, they've gone with a more experienced, more veteran quarterback, pocket passer, right? You knew what you were going to get. And now they embark upon this new journey with a younger guy, a dynamic athlete in Anthony Richardson, Shane Steichen having done so, and, and groomed quarterbacks that work with Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, so I, I just think that everyone's bracing for this excitement. Whether you're the offense or defense, everyone's looking forward to what Anthony Richardson is bringing to this football team.
4: Solomon, I, I made this point earlier, and I want you, you would have a much more educated, uh, you know, analysis on this. So I want your opinion of it. So much has been made about the fact that Anthony Richardson only started 13 games in college and that that's a detriment, and I understand that, and, and traditionally that would be the, a detriment indeed, but I was curious, is it possible if you were an optimist to say that that actually could be a benefit because it means that he has not been conditioned to, trained, or become habitual about the bigger windows that you have in college, The the... the, the You know, obviously the different pacing, and so therefore it is easier to learn new habits as opposed to having to break down the old ones. Is that naive and optimistic to say?
7: It's very, it's highly optimistic, but I do believe two things can be true at the same time. I do believe that um, the number of reps that you need in college are definitely beneficial, but also you can and be ingrained into some things that and get comfortable in some ways that you're just not going to see some of those same things at the next level. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's incumbent upon the team that you're going to be playing for at the next level to, to mirror a lot of the things that you are accustomed to doing in college, that it fits your skill set. And that's exactly what Shane Steichen is bringing over. Even in talking to Julian Blackman yesterday, you know, just talking about defending the RPO action, run, pass, offense. He said it's impossible. As a former defensive player for myself, that's it's one of the most frustrating things when I'm watching NFL football and you see a Justin Fields and you see a Jalen Hurts. It's almost impossible to defend it because when you have that kind of athlete at the quarterback position, their job is to make you wrong. That's why it's an option play. If you defend the run they're going to throw it. If you defend the pass, they're going to run it. I I would say this, it all works so much better if you have Jonathan Taylor in the same backfield at the same time that you have an Anthony Richardson. I, I think it's vitally important to the success of this offense.
6: Yeah, Even watching that preseason game on Saturday, Solomon, you see those Buffalo defenders just freeze, just a little hesitant when Richardson did run some of the RPO zone yeah. reaction. And It's been quite a while since the Colts quarterback has done that. Again, Solomon Wilcott's with us here. You can hear that serious XM show coming up at 10 a.m., a Colts training camp show here in a bit. I want to get to, because you kind of led us down that path with Jonathan Taylor, I know you caught up with Chris Ballard yesterday. We played some of that audio um, what were your impressions of what Chris Bauard had to say, Jonathan Taylor related and the possibility of this reaching some sort of conclusion? I, I don't even I would just say ending and not necessarily a happy one, but some ending before the start of the season.
7: And there was a deeper conversation even around the part uh, that you heard in terms of the soundbite. The deeper conversation was, you know, you've gone the last few years with these veteran quarterbacks, and now that you're going with a more inexperienced one, playing in a different style, how important is it that you have the team better around that young quarterback? And he said it's imperative. And then and then we talked about the fact that you need the dynamic runner um, paired in the same backfield Uh, with Anthony Richardson. And so that led us to the conversation about Jonathan Taylor, who, um, let's face it, over his three years with the Indianapolis coach, almost 4,000 yards rushing, a 5.1 career rushing average. Are you kidding me? And then in the 43 games that he's played, over 100 yards per game from scrimmage, both rushing and catching the football. Look, there's no doubt he understands the delicate balance that he's walking as a general manager, he knows this team needs Jonathan Taylor. And I think he's just got to give some time for ownership and for everyone to get on the same page, A, to to repair the relationship where the player's excited to come back and play, but also where the ownership sees the value, particularly at this point in time, for paying the running back. If you're ever going to pay a running back, when do you pay him? I would say when they're 24 years old and they've been all pro and they average 100 yards per game since they come into the league. So uh, I I think there's no doubt Chris Ballard sees that. He's walking that delicate balance. And I think patience and a little bit of growth and understanding is what's required to get that done.
6: If you had to guess, do you think he lines up next to Anthony Richardson week one or do you think this trade request is real?
7: No, I think the trade request is real. It always has been. I think both sides are dug in, and that's where Chris, you know, the general manager is caught in the middle because it's between the player and ownership, right? Uh, but if you really think about it, you know, and Jim Irsay is a football guy, he's a die-in-the-wool football guy. I spent too much time with Bill Polian, learning a little bit more about Mister Ursay. But I do think the analytics have kind of led a lot of people astray. Because we take the easy way out when they say you don't pay running backs, you don't take them in the first round. Well, clearly, or Jameer Gibbs is the guy you take in the first round. Um, you know, Robinson with Atlanta, you take him in the first round. Barry Sanders or Walter Payton you would take in the first round. So there's some nuance here. And there is times when you do pay the running back. Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys. Now, there are times when you don't. If they're older, if they've shown signs of slowing down, but when they're young and they produce at this level, then I think 12 million a year is certainly in line. We're not saying 16 million a year or 14. We're right the number would be about 12 so I, look, there's some nuance. there is a right number, but to draw a hard line if they were not paying the running back, I, I think everyone would agree that that's not the proper approach.
4: Solomon, you've been around the league a long time. you played in the league. How big, if at all, a distraction or contractual holdouts, not to the player, not to the general manager, but to the rest of the roster?
7: It's to everyone. It's everyone. It's not good. A holdout's not good for the player, but a holdout's not good for the team, especially this one. He's the best offensive player you have, right? He's the most productive player, Period. That you have and the guy and he's a quality individual so this is kind of what the conclusion that the Giants came to with Saquon Barkley even though they could have taken him at 10 million a year on the franchise tag they admitted to themselves they they moved um, and said you know what this guy means too much to us we need to make it right and and it was the right thing to do they didn't overpay but they understood also the nuance in that decision of how to make it right. And so there are times when teams, I do think they have some clarity and understand it would be good for no one if, say, Tom Barkley were to hold out. I, I think the same is true for the Colts when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Solomon,
6: we'll, we'll end with this. And, again, thank you for the time this morning. Solomon Wilcox was out of Colts training camp yesterday. You're going to hear their training camp show coming up at 10 a.m. over on Sirius SiriusXM. Uh, you caught up with Anthony Richardson yesterday. I think when you – at least I was one of these people, when you see the combine happen, you get so caught up in the physical characteristics of him. You almost fail to get to know him as a person or, or kind of look into that aspect of him, how he's wired off the field, work ethic, those sorts of things. What were your, I don't know if they are your first impressions, but what were your impressions of him just talking with him one-on-one?
7: Well, and it was, I also spent time with him at the combine even more time there uh, when he made the rounds, he came on Series X XM NFL radio, but he was on our set um, prior to uh, us doing the interview and then a little bit afterwards. And so when we were at coach camp uh, on Tuesday, we got to spend some more time with him. And I had already known, I've talked to a lot of people just about what kind of quality of a young man he is and the work ethic. And um, you read the stories about him in high school, spending time at at the firehouse with these firemen and and earning uh, their respect. I have a lot of friends who are firefighters. No, there are no civil servants that hold greater regard, at least in my heart, in my mind, than the friends that I have that work as firemen around this country. They are givers. These are some of the best men that our country have. And to know that he has spent time um, in that environment, and and you could see that he's that servant leader, just like a Tom Brady, That's just like Jalen Hurts, particularly with the work ethic. So that with time, and that's why making the announcement now, you get to give him the reps, the games, the moments to just continue to grow. Because for this young man, providing he stays healthy while going through the growing pains, there's going to be ups and downs, but he's already displayed the character to let you know that he can survive the ups and downs and have things settle and smooth out, become a dynamic quarterback in this league. And that's, that's going to be fun to watch, but the encouragement is all there. There's a tremendous belief and faith around Anthony Richardson. This was around the league amongst a lot of people that he can survive the ups and downs because there will some bad, be some bad moments. There's going to be some great ones, but I think everyone's just going to have to have some patience until everything just smooths out, but this guy comes ready to put in the work.
6: And he's former NFL defensive back Solomon Wilcotts, a host for Sirius XM NFL Radio, and you're going to hear him, 10 a.m. They've got interviews with Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, Chris Ballard, Shaquille Leonard, and Julian Blackman, and that comes up at the top of the hour. Solomon, thanks for the time this morning. Great stuff, and uh, we'll be tuning in here in a bit. Kevin
7: and Jake, you guys take care. Thanks for having me on the show.
6: You bet. That is Solomon Wilcotts right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, as much as playing Anthony Richardson, exposing his eyes, all of those things, I think is really important right now. I don't think you can lose sight of this, Jake. I think it helps the other 10 guys on the offense around him that they've made this commitment because now you get about a month to work with Anthony Richardson's specific plays. You tailor the offense to him because things look a whole lot different when it's Richardson running the show versus Minshew running the show.
4: You know what they say, Kevin. You got two quarterbacks, you got none, right? You pick one, you roll with it. And again, Colts will have two
6: joint sessions coming up today and tomorrow. Bears preseason game that kicks at seven o'clock inside of Lucas oil stadium Saturday night. And next week, the schedule's really light just practicing in Philly on Tuesday, that joint session. And then their final preseason game a week from tomorrow with the Eagles. And when you look at a schedule like that and you look at Jonathan Taylor's situation, I don't see him practicing anytime
4: soon. I would agree, man. I'm, I kind of agree with Bob yesterday, Kravitz. I don't know that he plays this year.
6: The physical element of, I think the Colts' tone has changed a bit. And I, how this ends, I, I think you hold your breath for a happy ending if you think that that's what it is for the Colts.
5: What did you just
4: say? <laughs> if you could see the look on Mark's face. Kevin. <laughs> we don't cover the Patriots, Kevin.
5: <laughs> Well, Robert that, Kraft <laughs> isn't walking through that door, thank God. Wouldn't that be the Browns? Well, well that could be the case, too. Touche, yeah.
6: We'll do the Pop Coys to close it out. Uh, Jethro Tull tickets, Mark? Yeah. That's all we're giving out today. We're going 7 two, three.
8: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab 20 milligram Injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
6: Nine ten seventy. Somebody just messaged me. Any uh, tips or tricks? First time going to Grand Park tonight. uh, You know what? What what fields are they going to be on? Stop by Quack Daddy Donuts first. All those things. Yes, football is your keyword there today at Quack Daddy Donuts. Uh, Wear your
4: Colts gear. Ten percent off.
6: Get there early. That's my
4: advice. I mean, it's going to be packed. Get a maple bacon donut at Quack Daddy Donuts and uh, a buy one get one half off coffee on your way in. Uh, the Bears'
6: offense will be on one field. The Colts' offense will be on the other. So I would try and chat with some people and try to see exactly who will be on what field. If you want to watch Justin Fields versus Anthony Richardson. Bring a
4: dozen donuts to butter up those people around you.
6: Uh, that would be the path that I would take there. Mark, you going to get there early?
5: Going to try to, yeah. As soon as uh, Addie gets done with school. I think we're hopping in the car. Now, and wait going. Do-
4: minute. You have a daughter named Addie Addison. So we have an Addy and a Maddie. Is Addison named for the street? Yes. Okay.
5: The bet was that if she, if the Cubs won the World Series... I thought there Series, was a
6: player named Addison as well.
5: Yeah, not not after him, no. Um, he had no. some
6: off-the-field issues? Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, no, it was uh, my wife and I had a bet at the start of the playoffs of 2016, and she wanted Harper to be the name. I said Addison. She said, how about this? If the Cubs win the World Series, it's Addison. If they lose, it's Harper. I said deal. And if... She would, a Nationals fan? No, she's a Rays fan. She grew up in Florida, so okay. she's part of the fighting Tr- Trisha Whitakers, So, uh, Had they uh, been any of the other 108 years, she would have won that bet, but not that year.
6: Speaking of off the field, are you guys surprised at all, Dalvin Cook, given the shoulder issue, given the 28 years old, given the domestic violence thing that he has been signed, and, and that type of deal?
4: no. Mm-mm. I think the Jets are going all in this. NFL year. teams love scruples until they suddenly have a player on the board that's in a position they need and it's a guy that's been productive.
6: So, is that a good thing for Jonathan Taylor? If Dalvin Cook, with four years older, a shoulder surgery, and a domestic violence thing, does that mean that. Probably.
4: That helps Taylor's cause? Probably. He doesn't have a lot of leverage because of his contractual situation, but probably.
6: Uh, it is time for the pop quiz. Mark Jethro Toll Tickets is that that
5: shows this weekend, right? That is Saturday, so it could be a busy day in Indy with Jethro Tull at TCU and then the Colts Bears at Lucas Oil. And I'm Is I, the roof gonna be open? I don't know. Jim Ursa already tweeted that the Bears were in town and he said, Don't forget they play Saturday tickets still
6: available. Roof? Question mark. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, weather looks really nice for Saturday. Um all right, a number one through eight here, Jake. Uh three. Time, Mark. <laughs> you say tom 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 with a t hey tom good morning tom how you doing i'm fine how are you tom who's your favorite athlete
7: uh probably tiger
5: oh tom i love you speaking kevin's language right now
4: tom Tom, who's your your favorite member of this radio program
7: oh stop it um kevin because he went kevin
6: (laughs) well tom thanks for calling uh tom i love you even more tom your favorite tiger moment is what
7: Oh, my. Um, I'm probably going to say the 2000 PGA
10: playoff. Mm. Mm.
6: Valhalla action, Bob May? With Bob May. Yeah, that was pretty good. Last night I watched the 08 U.S. Open. They had a rerun on Golf Channel. I've probably watched it 37 times.
4: In my Tom, life you, to, you go to Perkins a lot? Uh, no, I
0: do not.
5: Curious. Nothing screams nerd than watching old golf replays. <laughs>
6: It was great, Tom. We, I honestly should have invited you over for that. Slapping the couch, yeah. This pop quiz is one of the shorter ones we've had. I think it's actually pretty doable. And and right now, Jake Scotty's been humbled this week so far. It, it, hasn't the quiz been nine of ten so oh, far yeah. through two yeah. days? You're right. Uh, we're kind of up against it, so go ahead and throw number one at Tom.
4: All right, Tom. Here you go. Question number one: The Colts host the Bears in preseason game number two Saturday at Lucas Oil. The Bears won their preseason opener, but who did the Bears beat last Saturday? Was it the Titans, Texans, Jags, or Browns? The show's over at 10, by the way.
6: I think this guy's a great football coach, the coach of this team. Great football coach. Man, Tom, and coffee, Tom, you watching Tiger Highlights? You there, man? <laughs> That'd be Titans,
4: Texans, Jaguars, or Browns, Tom? Jags, I don't know. Okay. I don't know that they played.
6: Okay, number two here, Tom. Three former Colts are currently on the Bears roster. Which of the following current Bears is not a former Colt? A, Yannick Ngakwe, B, Al-Qadim C, P.J. Walker, D, Reese Fountain.
4: Uh, C. Okay, question number three. The Colts have named, of course, Anthony Richardson, the starting quarterback. Last Colts quarterback to start a regular season game. Wearing number five, his last name is the same as that of the character Lester on the wire. Brian Hoyer, Dan Arlovsky, Kerry Collins, or Josh Freeman.
7: <laughs> uh, Freeman.
4: Did you watch the wire? No. Lester Freeman's the best character on the show. Ice all right. It's all free plays. Hell yeah, Tom. <laughs> oh, man.
6: I can't wait to hang out with Tom. What are you doing this weekend, Tom? All right, number four here. Which of the following Major League Baseball teams enters play today with a sub 500 record? And right now, I'm not too happy with them. Uh, is it the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, the Guardians, or the Red Sox? Uh,
4: the Diamondbacks. How dare you? Okay, last question. One year ago today, the Philadelphia Phillies became the ninth franchise in Major League history to record 10,000 regular season wins. They were last. They were the last franchise founded in the 19th century to reach the 10,000 win mark. Name the franchise that is currently the closest to reaching 10,000 wins. The Tigers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, or the Guardians. The most famous say- player in baseball history played for this franchise.
7: Okay, uh, the
6: Yankees, but how do you say this uh, quiz is doable? I, I, I was expecting a little bit more. Well, I thought
7: you were going to be Tiger
4: 2000, those Tom, first couple answers. Tom, you were off to a rough start when you missed the first question, which was, who is your favorite part of this show?
7: <laughs> well...
4: Honesty is the best call. Tom's not in the business of stroking egos here
6: on this Wednesday morning. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, All right, Scotty, I guess you are back on top after that one there. Uh, Was Josh Freeman the only one he got right?
4: Yes. Uh, Josh Freeman is the only one that he was correct on. You blew it! In in his defense, why in the world would he know that the Bears played the Tennessee Titans? I mean, the Bears don't even remember the Titans. I
6: think Doug Peterson's a good coach, but boy, I think Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. Are we over? Are we just riding off
4: the Titans too early? Yeah, I think the Titans actually have a chance. Just based on schedule, I think they have a chance to be decent. Uh, Alkadi Muhammad was the answer for question number two. Josh Freeman, indeed, correct for question number three. The Cleveland Guardians for question number four. They are fifty-eight and sixty-two. And question number five, the Boston Red Sox at nine thousand eight hundred and fifty-nine wins.
6: Mark, will you tell Tom? I'd love to hang out with him and talk Tiger Woods. <laughs> You can do it on Friday, right? Back nine. We're gonna be there after the show on Friday. Back nine golf outing. Uh looking forward to that. We will do our show here in studio. Eleven AM, I believe, is the start time for that back nine golf outing. Uh but Jimmy and James Boyd from noon to three and then JMV from three to six. Uh you and Jimmy Cook, is that right next week, Jake? From noon to three? That is correct. So that, that will be the
4: correct. start of query. Look forward to that
6: and company. I don't think Tom will be part of your company, it sounds like.
4: I really look forward to it. both Jimmy and James, um, both those guys, being able to to work with and chat with both of them is going to be a lot of fun. So I look forward to it.
6: Yeah, I've gotten to know James Good a bit here in the last year or so. Now he's been in the Colts beat, and um, I enjoy his company.
4: I wonder if it, in Romeoville, I know he's from the Chicago area, is he a Cubs or White Sox guy?
6: I don't know. I know he's a Fighting Illini product. Um, and he's a big fan of that, but yeah, I we haven't really talked baseball.
4: You know, Illinois in the Big Ten, like of the state universities in the Big Ten, and I'm, obviously I'm talking the traditional Big Ten, not with you know obviously, and the Big Ten by the way I think is going to add Cal and Stanford. I'll throw that prediction at you, but um, Illinois is a really a really good school. I Indiana's obviously good, produced good, but but I think Illinois certainly their engineering and math like programs really strong
6: one of my favorite fandom moments was when notre dame beat illinois at the rca dome in the second round of the O three 3 tournament i was really exposed to the blue and orange faithful that day that I L L I N I chant is quite loud and abundant
4: and the illinois assembly hall is is like i think of it kind of like i think of Mackey when i was a kid it was always really dark like, the lighting was not great, but it's a cool arena. Spaceship-looking thing? Yes, it does look like a spaceship. Not as much like Soldier Field, but it does look like a spaceship.
6: You get Bruce Weber on more in the fall, Mark. I enjoyed him as a it's guest great. when we had him on last year. Okay, just a reminder, 6 o'clock tonight. I'll be out there at Grand Park for joint practices each of the next two nights. Uh, Again, the Colts and the Bears with those joint sessions. We will recap them and continue to look ahead to Saturday's lone preseason home game this year. Everybody enjoy the beautiful weather on this Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.